Anime Coast episode 187. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, Thanksgiving Feast of One, David McBurney, Fanboy Master. Suffering from Turkey Withdrawal, um, Michael Baker, Gajima Nogatari. Howdy. Special taste. Felicitation. Jubilations. This is Woo. Phil, aka JC Servant. Que pasa? Que tal? Como estas? That's what we see on Thanksgiving Day, right? Sure. I mean, it could be. If you want it to be. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Yeah, Uh, in case it wasn't obvious what day we were recording. It's Turkey Day. I had chicken. I hope you've been watching a lot of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. Oh, there's a YouTube. I found out they have a YouTube channel where they just stream MST3K 24-7. Uh, yeah, and they have the, they just they had their normal Turkey Day marathon today. Oh, that's nice. so cool! I think they had like an audience vote about what should be in it, which was pretty neat. Oh, that's too cool! Let us all give thanks for Coily. No <laughs> springs, but uh, yeah. So, how's everyone doing? What's uh, what have we been playing? Um. I can talk about the Demon Souls remake for a bit. Okay, you do that, and I'll just go zone out for a minute. Yeah, well, ah! this game is infuriating and awesome in equal measure, just and like the original Souls game. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> uh, slightly different. <clears throat> yeah, Demon Souls, which obviously kicked off all the Souls nonsense. Um, kind of a janky mess that had lots of neat stuff in it and the remake doesn't really change that although it's much prettier now and runs much smoother and loads much faster so it's still janky yeah which makes it a fair deal better actually because uh when all those 60 fps now and such yes and if you die it loads in like (laughs) two seconds and before in the original if you're like well shoot i forgot something in the nexus it's not a big deal because it takes t- two seconds to load back into the nexus and then as opposed to the 30 around. or more the original might take uh, i'm pretty sure it's more than 30 <laughs> i'm being i'm being very conservative yeah. in, my, in my estimate it was not great so yeah um just by virtue of that it makes it a great deal better but man is there some stupid nonsense in this game I love that they were just completely unwilling to do anything to change things like the sheer opaqueness uh, or opacity of things like world tendency. Yeah. And they made it, they made new things dependent upon it. Great. You want the one thing that they added to the game, you have to know everything about world tendency. Ugh. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, by all accounts, it's it's still Demon Souls. Uh, I've seen people take issue with the artistic liberties they've taken. Uh, the worst thing I've seen is the thing that they did to the cat ring. Yeah. Uh, on the whole, I think it looks better. I don't really know what anyone's talking about. Listen, the cat ring is important, and they were cowards for how they went about it. All right, that's fine. But mostly, <laughs> the original Demon Souls was pretty ugly, so... Please go look at the cat ring if you do not recall the icon that it puts on your screen. I'll have to do that. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but now I'm there, curious. There is like the there is the cat's ring in Demon's Soul, and okay. it just took 
like a digitized JPEG of an actual cat and put it on the screen in the original. And it's been replaced with like a like more uh, <laughs> world adjacent icon now. But man, that that JPEG of a cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to pet that. So, cat. so I I probably won't get the experience anytime in the near future because I have no plans of getting a PS5. But I do have a PS3, and I played the original. Uh, and I tell you, that was just something else. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this in our Discord channel. How how you know it really captured the essence of being in one of these medieval time type of deals right i mean we've all been playing dungeon dragons uh since the 80s and you know computer and console games that you're supposed to especially with dungeon dragons to tabletop you're supposed to put your mind in there like you are in a dangerous dungeon right and the dm's throwing this crazy crap at you and you're about to die and all that stuff but nothing really assaults your senses and makes you really feel like you are that knight in shining armor who could die with every step uh like demon souls did like that was just when I jumped into that game for the first time, my mind was just blown in the atmosphere and, and you had to be careful with every step and things would just jump out at you. And as long as you were careful, you'd be fine, but you had to be careful because even the skeletons could kill you if you just like, because that's what made it feel like this isn't just a video game. Like in all reality, a stab with a sword would really hurt you, even if it's from my quote level one skeleton. You know, That's how, you know, Demon Souls will make you feel. And between that and the traps and the atmosphere and the lack of, yeah. Uh, of of background sound until it was really tense. It was just it just really really set the tone to make you feel like you're truly in this dungeon experience, and yeah. it was just so cool. And I mean, that's what back with the original made me just keep playing, even though I was like super frustrated with it at times. It was just that that sort of atmosphere and and everything else about it. It just intrigues you and makes you want to keep playing it and. Then obviously the Dark Souls series did it way better, but um, you know it, it's kind of experiencing hello? the hello? hello. Okay, so it wasn't me that cut out. No, 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 oh. no. no. He totally Wheels cut has out. Died. He has. And that's what and that's what Demon Souls does to you. It kills Wheels you. We also have to come die. back in soul form. Can yeah, you, he has can to. You hear me? Now he's going to have what? The, what did you say? The dark permutation or something? Uh, he, if he was in body form when he died, his world tendency will have blackened slightly. Uh, Ooh, that sounds bad. Enemies get more health. Like, I, I dislike... I'm just going to rant about this Hello? while we're gone. Hello? I dislike this system because Hello? it punishes you for having difficulty. Hello? Yeah, I and I actually agree with you. Like, I enjoyed the atmosphere, and I played it for a while, but, you know, once you die a few times, and, and you, you know, you start getting these tendencies, and that makes the game harder, because that's exactly what you want when you're starting to get frustrating and dying a lot. It just seemed yeah. counterintuitive to me. Hello? Yeah, like uh, Hello? Oh, hey. Uh, I plugged in the PS4, PS5 controller into my... Um computer and it seemed to let me guess it tried over. to take control because it has a microphone in it uh, it's, nice so yeah uh, uh, that would my, do it can you still hear me yeah now? yeah but it's it's kind of interesting because another game that 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 uh you know that mr apps likes hates does the exact opposite right with hates the, the more you die i mean Hades, you're gonna get some of the mean? currency out you're gonna be able to buy upgrades and the game gets mm -hmm. easier and easier 
Did you? Say yeah, that? like that's that's usually how games, whether they're explicit about it or not. Like a lot of games now have adaptive difficulty, and they will do things to try to subtly make it easier without necessarily telling you that they're doing it. Did but... you just call it Hades instead of Hades? He did yes, he several did. times. <laughs> I assumed totally. it was a choice being made. <laughs> but, yep. Just like you and Mugen Souls, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's true. But yeah, I was going to say, like, that was that was part of the reason that, like, I bounced off of Demon Souls because I was, like, getting, I was bad at it. And I was, it was getting harder in response to that. So I was like, you know what? Screw you, video game. So I stopped. And then years later, Wheels finally managed to convince me to play Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, it took a lot of work on his part, but it did eventually happen. And. That was like, oh, like, Dark Souls is hard, but it functions like Dragon Quest in that the game doesn't, the game basically doesn't like to leave you in a situation where you're worse off than you started. Right. And, like, I think that that's a much better way to go about making a hard video yeah. game. Like, there's the the one simple thing that really clicked for me with Dark Souls, like, right away was like, oh, I don't have to constantly rebuy healing items i have these that re the flask the estes flask is so much better from a player psychology perspective and just as like okay you can just get back in yeah it's a it's a game changer and playing the demon souls remake i'm like why didn't they do this yeah like it's like they went back to the <sighs> consumables for bloodborne but they were like this weird ha halfway that i don't like either because it's like you can have like I, I get over it in Bloodborne because there is essentially one healing item in Bloodborne. It's blood vials. Almost everything drops them, and you're only allowed to hold twenty. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know why you did that. You might as well have just made them refill automatically because that's what's going to happen. You can keep up to like seven hundred of them, and like you can only ever have twenty of them with you, and it automatically fills them up when you die if you have any in stock. So it's like, why didn't you just make them refill automatically? Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> but unlike demon souls where it's like oh i wasted all of my grass now i have to manually go buy it now it's like in that case i can kind of get over it because it's like well it's going to act like it's infinite so i might as well treat it like it's infinite yeah, <laughs> yeah. well just just the annoying part is like in in dark souls if you fight a really hard boss and you fail it's like okay you know i can just go try it again and here it's I'm like right up to speed well i used all my <laughs> healing items and mp refilling items um I have to go do all these things before I can even attempt this thing again. Yeah, like it is very possible to put yourself in a situation where your best run at the boss didn't work and you are now, like, it is going to take a grinding and, like, just going from shop to shop to actually get back into that position again. And that's yeah. just obnoxious. And, yeah. And it doesn't help that like a bunch of the bo the bosses in demon souls there are some that's like okay this is super easy and that doesn't really matter and then there are some that are just insanely annoying it's very much like it's the prototype of that type of gameplay and it has all of the warts from that and like i'm slightly confused as to why that was all of the like mechanics were considered sacrosanct when they were you know much more gung-ho about the art direction. Yeah. I'm not even complaining about it. It's just, why Why are the mechanics the one thing you're not allowed to touch? Yeah, 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 <laughs> the question yeah. is, which items were the most difficult to change? I mean, like, they've rebuilt it from the ground up for the most part. So it's one of those things, like, so. they could have made changes. They didn't. <laughs> hmm. 
Yeah, and it's really yeah. not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know if 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 those bits of psychology don't bother you that much, then I mean it's still one of these kinds of games. It's still interesting. It's still. Yeah. It's still well put together. It still has compelling like world building, but for me, it's just like oh, I could just play the ones I actually like. <laughs> I mean, like uh, I mean, I'm obviously still playing it a lot, and it's the best looking next gen game I've seen so far. But um, yeah, I, like I've already complained about this on the show before, but it it's disappointing because it's a giant missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Yeah, you could do a lot more to it. Like if you're gonna go this far why not go all the way and you there's small changes they could have made too like do like some sort of ss flask thing or like even just making that a mode yeah because like they talked about they considered putting in an easy mode and then they they cut it because they were like no that's going too far and it's like is it (laughs) you could could make a mode that plays like the old game and a new mode that's this is, changes. This is my frustration with this argument that comes up a lot of times between the fans. It, it, you know, like, oh, you, you can't put it in easy mode because that somehow takes away from the... It's like, how is choice ever bad? How is choice ever bad? The fact that there's an easier mode doesn't stop you from playing the normal mode and having a great time. And then even, you know, having an achievement locked into it or something so you can brag to your friends that you beat it the way it was originally made while the rest of us who aren't nearly as skilled can't enjoy the atmosphere and stuff without getting completely frustrated and stopping after chapter two. Like, not, that like I, just, not that I did that. Yeah, but like, I mean, it, it just makes sense to just, like, just put in a mode that's like, this is the original mode that plays exactly as it used to for, you know, for veteran players or for those who like a challenge. And then here's a new mode that's slightly rebalanced to be more like X, Y, or Z. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. It's uh, they the choices they've made were the choices they've made. Some of them might even come down to just it has to be out for launch. Yeah. But, uh, it's I mean, blue points still quite masterful on a technical level. So can't really hold them that against them. Yeah. I wonder what they're up to next. On the technical level, it's great. Yeah. I don't think it's crashed at all. Like. I think I even had Miles Morales crash. This seems really solid. So, yeah, Spider-Man Remastered has some sort of crash bug that they had to patch out. That was like a really bad crash bug, from what I can tell. Yeah, but yeah, that seems to be mostly fixed now. But it was one of those things where I was like, uh, may, maybe be careful. Glad I didn't run into this. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, that's Demon Souls, uh, the other game I've been playing. I will talk to Dave later. I have to jump off for a bit, so I'll let you guys continue. Okay. Okay. Um, so what have you been up to, guys? Well, I just I bought several random Switch games based solely on the cover art. Nice. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what I just got. <laughs> I'm curious if Japan's getting anything like the, like in North America, at the very least, the eShop's having like a gigantic sale uh, because of Black Friday ship. I'm curious if Japan gets anything similar. I don't. I would imagine you don't don't do a lot of eShop browsing, so it probably isn't relevant to you, but I'm curious. I'm like four or five months into my Switch not being able to connect through my wireless at home. That's so weird. Yeah, I know. I mean, it let me download food. That was the last thing I actually did with it. Um, yeah. Here, um, everything else I had to download at uh, 
either the shopping center or at one or another workplace. Going down have for you, the public Wi-Fi. Do you, I assume you have like a password protection scheme on your router? Yep, and no changes between the week where it worked and the week where it didn't work. Have you tried, um, but have you tried just turning off the security for a hot minute to give it a shot and see if that would work for you? That assumes I know, remember enough about it to be able to figure out how to turn it off. Um, I feel like the first... It, okay. The only reason I ask is, uh, it, it reminds me of this problem that I had with my PSP, which granted, a whole different animal, but the PSP, uh, eventually the, the security protocols on the PSP went out of date. So when oh, the router man. had a software update, and uh, it bumped itself up to a new suddenly my PSP couldn't work with it anymore. And so I couldn't download stuff without plugging it into a PS3. But then I figured out, oh, wait a minute, if I just turn off the security and leave it as a wide open network for a hot minute, the PSP could connect wirelessly just fine with no security, do what I need mm -hmm. to do, and then put the password protection back on. Yeah, I've, I, I would assume you've already done this, but if you haven't, like, if just like deleting the profile for the like auto connect for the switch uh, and then like mm -hmm. just re reattempting the connection uh, inputting all that information again might be worth a shot. Yeah, that might work too. Oh, I'll keep that in mind because I really do not have the first idea of how to do most of this stuff to begin with. I'm yeah, not the most computer literate person on the planet, <laughs> oddly enough. Weird how that works. Yeah. That could be on the But what did you pick up uh, just strictly based on the cover art? Well, found this one game that looked like um, the cover art strongly resembled certain Atelier types or some of the later Atelier games. Hmm. So I thought, okay, looks interesting. Um, I, I know it was released in America, but we don't actually have a review for it or anything on the site. Hmm. Uh, it's called Remalore. Oh, I saw that name once and then didn't hear anything else about it. Well... <laughs> I mean, calling it, it an RPG is a little disingenuous because it's mostly a hack and slash mm. or more of a whack and bash because I think every weapon I've gotten so far is blunt. <laughs> blunt as in cricket bat, um, tennis racket, or giant broom. Um, hmm. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's a... Um, it's a um, a stage based action game for the most part, where you just hit things as hard as possible. That makes it sound vaguely like a warrior's game. Yeah, Muso, I should say. But... Musos are the best. <laughs> I don't want to get you on the subject. I Let's know where talk this about goes. Musos. Woo! No. You and Wheels could talk about Age of Calamity or something you, later. Do you know we did like a six-hour backtrack just on just on the RPG-flavored Musos? Because they're that yep, good. Yep. We could yeah, spend we another six hours if you want. Right now. I drink a lot of coffee. You usually drink a lot of coffee. Funny but, uh... Yeah, so it vaguely sounds like that. I'm not sure if it's accurate, but... Uh... Is it any good at what it's doing? It would be better if I wasn't still having ghosting issues with my controller. Hmm. Yeah, it does seem like a problem. Yeah. Uh, it's always just hard to find a time to, like, send them in for repairs. It's like, well, I'd like to also be able to play games, even if they're going to be kind of compromised. Mm hmm And it's not as nearly as bad as my Vita got at one point. So. Oh, boy. Um, 
It's still survivable. Oh, yeah, you tried playing Secret of Mana on Vita with ma- massive ghosting. <laughs> it's like, okay, if I wanted this, I wanted if I wanted to have this much fun with roulette wheels on choices, I would have been playing Unlimited Saga. Uh, <sighs> Hello. He went away. <laughs> it keeps happening. Oh no! Why do people keep dying? It's the dark tendencies. They're taking over. Uh, you you still there, Gaijin? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, okay. Okay, continue, though. Yeah. It's mostly just the heroine rushing through random ruins. Uh, It looks like procedurally generated, random, and hitting stuff a lot. As you do. Yeah. But it's got some fun conversations and surprisingly good Japanese voice acting. That's good. Yeah, but it's basically um, it, it. It feels like it, if like if somebody from Gus decided to make a hack and slash game, action game. That makes sense. That seems like a yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned several games. So what were what else did you grab? Uh, actually got the uh, what was it uh, from Nipponichi Four Princess Night Story. I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's another one that never got released in America for some reason, and so I figured, you know what? It's cheap. Let's try it. And you had a chance to give that a shot? or uh, No, I haven't yet. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if I will before next Thursday and my next actual intended main purchase. Uh, you got a, What's your next intended main purpose? Ryza 2. Oh, of course. I forgot that was so close. That's uh, that'll be that should be good. I've heard nothing but good things about Rise of One. Mm-hmm. I'll be very sad to hear if it's not good. <laughs> I'd be yeah. very surprised to hear if it's not good. I've actually heard some good things so far. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, I, I was uh, when I speaking of that uh, eShop sale. I was hoping that there would be a Adelier, uh, one of the Adeliers I have my eyes on. Uh, like getting a uh, getting uh, a sale, but by all appearances, nope, too bad. Oh. Nice to want things. Mm. Yeah, so mm. my chance to start out, uh, my chance to play an Adelier game will have to wait. <laughs> Yeah, so just those two, or I just two. Jump. I mean, I've, yeah. I mean, I've got other stuff left to um to play it one time or another. Anyway, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So that's uh, that's good. What have you been playing, Phil? I've been playing Moose. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was going to say, I'm <laughs> guessing some sort of old PC RPG I've basically only heard of by name. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. What did we play? We played some... Um... Gosh, why am I drawing a big-ass blank? Oh, King's King's Bounty, The Legend. Right. That was super fun. Oh, that's, that's a name I have heard basically only from you and people interested in. Right. Old computer RPGs of a similar co- vintage. Old computer RPGs. So, yeah. So, we start. Uh, uh, yeah. So, 
So I'm moving from doing the Backtrack podcast, uh, which don't tell them, it's a big secret, uh, to uh, to doing out. yeah to doing more uh, to doing well not more just any Twitch uh, Twitch and and video streaming some YouTube stuff for for our site, and right now we're just kind of doing some. I'm just doing a lot of just getting my feet wet. And you know what do they call them? pilot episodes and stuff? So we did yeah, a lot on King's Bounty, yeah. Uh, and it was really funny because I was talking with the guy there on the channel. He didn't, he, you know, he was like, "What did he say?" He said something along the lines of, "Well, King's Bounty just tries to rip off Heroes of Might and Magic series, but it's not as good." And I'm like, "Ooh, see, no, the original King's Bounty predates Heroes of Might and Magic one by quite a bit." Um, if you go back to the old Sega Genesis days and, uh, and there was a PC version that way, it was a really, really old school game, but, um, you can go back and play it. I'm sure you can find it on Abandonware. Uh, I wouldn't touch it, but, uh, but yeah, no, the, uh, the new King's Bounty, the legend, which came new, I'm thinking a few years after Heroes of Might and Magic five or maybe even six, but definitely five. Uh, you know, that, that they, they, they took that original formula of just being focused on one hero, not really raising any towns, but focusing on exploration, going around the map. You're still in that same combat of having a hexagon grid with armies of, of troops that you've recruited. And there's a lot of combat uh, and your hero influences the troops with uh, extra defense and attack as, as well as supporting with spells and abilities uh, to help turn the tide of battle. But uh, tons of exploration and the King's Bounty. Uh, maps, unlike the Heroes of Might and Magic maps, have a ton of NPCs uh, who are giving out quests and quest lines that you'll want to keep track of because that's where you're going to get nice chunks of XP and gold and the occasional uh, artifact. So it, it really rewards exploration, keeping track of a dozen quests at a time and knowing where to go next. And it, it's just really fun. It, it's, it, it definitely is, uh, is been a blast from the past, so we had a good show on that. Uh, and then I'm playing right now. Uh, oh my gosh, I keep wanting to call it Rogue Galaxy, but it's Rebel Galaxy, which Rogue is Galaxy, slightly different. I know, I know. I just I'm so bad. I've done that like three times. No, no, above. you're not the only person I've seen make that exact mistake. Oh, it's terrible. But uh, uh, that one, uh, we'll be doing that show on Monday. So I'll talk more about that on the show. If you want to want to come by, we actually so we do the show on Twitch because there is audience participation. Uh, it's an hour show where we I talk about my impressions of the game, go uh, go into the mechanics, actually go in and show you what what systems are running in the game. So it's much more in depth than just a quick, you know, five or 10 minute review you would get on YouTube answer mm -hmm. your questions and read your comments and tips right there on the air or the listeners and stuff. So um and that's what makes an hour show and then we port that to youtube so and then we do and then i do some let's play afterwards so uh yeah it, it's gonna be fun but uh yeah that game's next and then i'm also playing uh tyranny which oh, it was really yeah. it was really interesting when i switched to a let's play of tyranny you saw like two people just immediately leave with one of them saying i'm not watching this game because i i don't want to play you know I don't, I don't like the idea of playing an evil character which is kind of huh. tyranny's whole shtick yeah, like that was the gimmick of like, what kind of evil will you be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there's, no, I don't think there's any happy endings, unfortunately. <laughs> it's probably it, like lesser evils, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're basically working for the all-powerful. Uh, what was he? The Emperor from Star Wars or something? Uh, Palpatine. 
Yeah, there you go. You are basically, yeah, it's pretty. I mean, you start off the game. I don't think it's a spoiler. It happens in the first hour. But but you start off the game just by reading his words on a scroll. They're so powerful that they put into effect uh, forces of nature that can wipe out an entire country if the conditions of the scroll aren't met. So that's how powerful this guy is. His words shape, you know, the landscape. So it's almost biblical proportions right there. So, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's pretty cool story so far. It's uh, what's that company? It's not uh, Bioware Obsidian. Yeah, with Obsidian. So good writing, lots of writing, lots of reading, lots of lots of world building going on there. And I, I kind of get lost, but uh, because there's so much, there's so many terms, there's so many much history. I mean, when you make your character, it kind of does the Dragon Age Origins thing where where you're going to go through a bunch of choices at the beginning uh, to determine some of your, your background. Yeah. And then as you're interacting with people they'll refer and you'll you may have titles and stuff. Uh, oh, hey, you're you're the people's hope. Like, that's a title. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? And, oh, yeah, because I made this choice during character creation. But one of the cool things the games does is at least it, when the NPCs are talking to you, a lot of the words will be lit up in a different color, which means you can mouse over them like it's some sort of wiki entry. <laughs> so <laughs> you can mouse over and go, oh, yeah, that's that's because some of these guys like what are the what are the uh, people who what are the co- commander uh, uh, admirals names, whatever they are. It's like a title, and I always forget who he is, but then I mouse over, it's like, oh, right, he's in charge of the Scarlet, whatever. So it's pretty neat that that's kind of in the game. But definitely, of course, you know, my early impression is super high, you know, super high quality. Lots of numbers, uh, very deep, lots and lots of numbers underneath the hood. So i uh, got to put a lot of time into that before we talk about that uh, at some point here. We also played a lot of Operencia. Uh, last night. Now that one, one thing I should say, I'm not just focusing, normally I'm known for being the, the PC guy, but, and all the games I'll have on the show are PC games because that's how I stream easily. But a lot of the games that we're choosing too are cross-platform and one of them is Operencia. It's a beautiful uh, dungeon crawler with a focus on puzzles. Yeah. I would, you know, so it's one of the listeners. I said, you know what, this is, this is you guys night. Pick a game. They're like, well, do you have Operencia? And I'm like, yeah, I got lots of games in my back. I'm like, yep, I got that one. Pick that up on an epic sale or something. And yeah, the first hour, it's just so gorgeous. The art style of that game is so gorgeous. Uh, uh, Western, more of a Western style of artwork, but it's just done so well and so stylish. Uh, Then when you get into the first dungeon, there, it almost looks like something ripped right out of Bioshock. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's not modern, but I mean, it's got that feeling. You're underwater. You're in a place that's underwater. There's water suspended above your head uh, that that kind of forms a ceiling, which is very surreal. And it'll be some places where it's dripping down as if the magic's cracking and it'll form pools on the ground. The uh, if you if you like dungeon crawlers with an emphasis on some puzzle puzzle solving, that's uh you know that's apparently what this game is is known for but just very beautiful in the visuals department and when you get into combat and it's a first person perspective dungeon crawler and you just see the enemies in front of you and as you're throwing out the spells or they're attacking you it it just feels so visceral i they put such care into the animations that these big frogmen are hitting you with maces and it feels like there's a lot of weight behind each swing and, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I think one of my characters was just like, oh, he just lost two hit points. But it, 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 I mean, it just looks so I mean, it's coming right at my screen, too. And I'm only like one foot from my computer screen. I'm like, oh, damn, that hurt. <laughs> uh, 
you cast lightning and it crackles and it connects and it jumps to another guy. And it just looks so well done. They put such care uh, into these animations and into the graphics. I pointed out that uh, I forget. I don't know which company did this off the top of my head, but there's a, a new wizardry. I use that in air quotes, a new wizardry game, wizardry uh, labyrinth of lost souls. It originally came on the PlayStation three. They did a port to the PC that came out a few months, maybe a year ago. And I love wizardry games. I went out stupid me and bought it <laughs> stupid me at full price I guess not a great Very world stupid. wizardry game <laughs> well you know and, and and i will tell you like you get into that wizardry and it does have great character design but that's the only thing that's going for it the, the dungeons feel so soulless the there's no detail in the walls or that there, there's hardly any other anything else but the you walls you kind of need there. to have a lot of character in that kind of in the tile set of that kind of game or else you kind of something but i mean just I, but but but, but operencia has more character uh, more attention to detail in one of their rooms than Wizardry Labyrinth of Lost Souls has in an entire tower. So it, it's it's just a really cool game. Uh, and it's on, I believe it's on the Switch. Uh, the PlayStation 4 is what they were saying last night. Uh, and it, it's pretty inexpensive. But uh, I'm going to need to put more time into it. We, we, we did a four-hour, three-four-hour stream. And you can see that at twitch.tv forward slash rpgamer. And you can How check out the that game's name yourself. spelled, by the way? Aberrantia? Oh, yeah. That's where I really screw the pooch when you ask me to start spelling <laughs> it. Because it seems really hard to, like guess how it's spelled oh you are absolutely right it is o p for paul e r e and for nancy c i a uh, that's how i would have guessed anyway operencia the stolen sun maybe if you just put in the stolen sun it'll come up faster yeah easier. i'm finding operencia yeah yeah it's apparently currently 50 percent off on steam so yep yep and it's uh, on switch as well let's see what's the price on that object got that on playstation 4 so if you look up the switch i'll look up psn ps4 the stolen sun because i'm not typing in the, the other stuff just let's just I ask can... my switches e-shop how much is it currently going for let's see here on the place oh, they don't put the prices on the playstation store online that's weird you should be able to buy it from the playstation store online. i know right buy a download what if i just click this button right here let's see what it says Twenty nine ninety nine, which is the full price, but I believe I saw it on like on the PC. I think it's on sale. Yeah, it's it's half off on Steam right now. Yeah, and it's half off on Switch right now. Well, there you go. PlayStation's uh, dragging their feet. Yeah, their their sale for Black Friday seems much less robust than either Steam or eShop. So. I just and I just love the I, I, on the Skype uh, here, guys. I'll just paste for you. Just the logo itself is is just you know. I just I just love it's this a really logo. nice look. I love it. I use that for my for my uh, my title card for that sh for that let's play. I just had I was like, oh yeah, that's a no brainer. That's just that yeah. just sells itself. <laughs> yeah. So really high high quality in that regard. Uh, if you're looking for like a meaty crunchy combat it doesn't necessarily at least the first four hours maybe it gets better later on uh but it, it feels okay it's not bad it's just it's okay maybe slightly above okay it's really the graphics that sell that combat i just want to get into a fight just so i can see more frogs fry <laughs> um but uh and definitely oh oh and the other thing is most of these dungeon crawlers like the wizardry games are extremely light on story uh grimrock was like that legend of grimrock but yeah, this yeah. one actually has a really good begin first four hours. Very impressive. It actually feels like some sort of grim, uh, what's it called? Grim Tales. 
a fairy tale type of Grim thing. Grim fairy tale. Grim fairy tales. Uh, and just a lot of imagination put into some of the setup and and why your main character is going into this dungeon and he or she will run into a rogue and the rogue is there for different, more official reasons, but then they'll start bantering as you are working through this dungeon together. The banter is great. Make sure you're listening to the voice. I, I thought the voice acting was great. Later on, the third character wasn't so good, but I thought the, the main character I had chosen and the, the rogue were really bouncing off of each other pretty well. Uh, it just and I I just like the story that was kind of wrapped up. It's half fairy tale, half you know typical RPG uh, stuff, but it, it it just felt different and it felt pretty cool. So uh, I'm not usually when it comes to more puzzly RPGs, I usually bail out, mm-hmm. but I might stick with this just to see what's going to happen. And the person who suggested it to me, uh, Don Reaver, uh, from our from our Discord chat. He says that later on there's a crafting system that is also very uh, compelling. Hmm. So, well, I'm going to continue to play it. I think we'll feature it on a show. So, that's uh, that's what I've been playing. I stay busy. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> oh, in World of Warcraft, of course. No, just, just um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I suppose we should probably try to hit at least one question before Gaijin has to wander off. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We've got some questions on 184 and 186. If there's any of those that seem like ones you'd want to tackle. Let's, let's see. see. Let, let me actually find these again. Okay. Yes. Can I quest? Let's see. From 186, what we've got here. It's only one in 186, and there's like three-ish in 184. There's, and that one's just something about Persona 5 Scramble in, yeah, the line, yeah. in 186. Whether that'll be, how that'll be localized. We'll get into that eventually. Yeah. Oops. Let's go back here. Wait, wait did you just say Muso? I think you just no, said No, they said Scramble, so. That, 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 that sounds like Muso. Your Manchurian no, candidate word has not yet been uttered. Said nothing on one eighty five. Yeah. So you know, okay, let's let's look up the ye old long ass list. Ah. Okay, let's see. Okay, here we go. Number twelve. Is there any RPG franchise like Busby in that it runs for a long time, but no one seems to like it very much. Huh. Oh, there has to be. I mean, there's certainly things where like the niche fandom is one that I've essentially never actually encountered, but I mean, I also have to be careful about casting stones in this, uh, discussion because at the same time i am a saga fan and for a long time it seemed like no one liked it but me and like the handful of people that occasionally showed up on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) at least in the english-speaking world yeah yeah. Um, i mean i hate to bring up the m word again but i kind of but it's not maybe it's not rpg but muso it just feel like if you were dynasty warriors fans you you either loved it or you hate it and if you loved it you were in the minority if you loved it, you basically only talked to other Dynasty Warriors fans, so it's yeah. easy to forget you existed. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Heroes of Might and Magic, you know, going back to that, when you get past three, it just went downhill. By the time you got to five, it was pretty bad. 
And yet, six, they released six. And because Ubisoft had bought it or whatever have you, uh, and that was really bad. And yet, that didn't stop them. It, it, it was, it, it had, let's pop out seven. And you know what? <laughs> Just, you know, the pain keeps on coming. I swear, I was surprised to wake them up and they, they got an eight out there that's somehow even worse. Better graphics, but it's just so much worse. I mean, at the same time, it's not as bad as some of the abuses Might and Magic underwent during the period when I think it was uh, 3DO had the license for a while and made just like a litany of horrendous action RPGs on PS2. So I think Might and Magic fans might just be used to this sort of pain at the stage. And <laughs> they're uh, used to the abuse. They enjoy yeah, it. Like, uh, I already sat through shifters of Might and Magic and... Heroes oh, of Might Magic oh. Legend of the Dragon Bones. I got it. Those are actual games? Yes. I, I got the answer. The NepNep games. Oh, man. <laughs> I've seen fans of those, but I've never seen a fandom for them. I don't fully understand who buys them. <laughs> they keep cranking them out. Somebody's buying the darn things. Somebody is. I don't know who. <laughs> And then, you know, one of our staff members gets stuck with it and they all, whoever gets stuck with it for the most part, they always come back just a broken person. They're just not the same. So can I just like talk about like the horrendous serendipity I just noticed here while I'm looking up one of these Might and Magic games to make sure I didn't make it up? What's that? Heroes of Might and Magic Quest for the Dragon Bone Staff, which is a early, early PS2 game, like early 2001. Yeah. Wikipedia proclaims, though 3DO did not advertise it as such, the game is an enhanced remake of King's Bounty. It is. It at, <laughs> no, it, it absolutely is. I was, that's a really great, I totally had forgotten about that, but I had played, because of course, me being the HOM fan, I went out, that guy. <laughs> I gotta be that guy to buy the damn game. I'm like, this ain't heroes, where's my, t- where's the town that I get to build up? Oh, it's not a thing. It was just, it was just so weird. And, and I had not, I did not even know what King's Bounty was. I never did play the original one on the Genesis or the PC. Uh, So I, I just, I just, I was like, is this some sort of boiled down experience because they feel like the PlayStation can't handle, you know, building up a little town or something with 2D graphics like HOM2? I mean, certainly the PlayStation 2 can handle HOM2 graphics, but no, no, that's what we got. It was the weirdest thing either. I think I did one run through and I was done. And I don't even think I did the whole run through. 3DO had an avowed philosophy of cranking out games for cheaper than usual on very short time frames, and they were very, very into that. So that's why you get games like Heroes of Might and Magic Quest for the Dragon Bones. Oh, jeez, man. Oh, what a life! What a time! Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just like when I noticed the the horrendous like happenstance of us having just discussed King's Bounty and then this dropping into the lap. It's like, oh no! But yeah, I, I feel like Neptunia is probably up there in terms of like whatever fandom it has doesn't communicate much with the general like RPG fandom, such that I don't understand who it's selling to or why they're buying it other than the obvious like reasons I could glean from the marketing. And it's, it's just, I was going to say that would be a large part of the reason that has to be it. But it's like one of those things I would love to hear an actual discussion with people who actually like these games. Yeah. Uh, Because I mean, generally speaking with very few exceptions, they're, they're not 
they're not like the mechanics and everything in it is just repetitive. They're boring. There's just, or they're just very low budget games. Very low. Yeah. And if it's just for the fan service, there's plenty of much better games out there that have all the fan service you want. And then some, I, I I, I don't get it. It's very difficult to ascertain (laughs) as an outsider looking at yeah, so that would be my like. No, nope, don't don't get it. Don't get it. Like you can get into other things of like, I think uh, I think we've had a discussion similar to this that ended with us talking about like all of those uh, chemco RPGs, but those aren't really a franchise so much as just yeah, they just hold over of an older time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, just that kind of thing where it's like. Uh, you know, they they don't cost. Uh, I would imagine that that's also a lot of the Neptunia thing. They don't cost a lot to make. Like they aren't spending a ton of money on these. Uh, yeah, rather, they have fine tuned the cost to uh, profit ratio. Yeah, they're very much like uh, the way that uh, anime studios sell DVDs to otaku in Japan. <laughs> Where it's like we have a very specific idea of how many units this needs to sell and how many it can sell. And 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 you know what? I, I'm as a person who enjoyed Power Rangers, one of the most low budget creations ever made. I'd be okay with that if it was at least entertaining. It could stand to be more fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is the most recent of these? Because I know that eventually I lost track. Let's see. Um, the most recent mainline game seems to be... That's not a real name. <laughs> go, go, five, Jigen Game Neptune Restarverse. Yeah, that's the newest one, isn't it? That is a PS5 game that literally just came out. Oh, no, excuse me. Comes out in a month. <laughs> yep. PS5 hints the word go-go in it. Oh, that's the joke. That's stupid. Um, let's see. It's most... Neptunia. Yeah. And the oh, most hey, least... Tam says he likes he likes uh, Neptunia 7. Oh, I heard 7 isn't. V2, I think, is what that's supposed to be, and I get that mixed up. It's not 7, it's V2. Oh, V2. That seems to be the one people have the nicest things to say about, so maybe I'll ask them about that later. Uh, The most recent spinoff is a game where they team up with a bunch of streamers. Actual streamers who stream on YouTube. Well, there you go. You don't... Wasn't don't, ready. Don't World walk, isn't ready. Run and grab your copy today. Uh, it comes it's... out in the U.S. next year. Oh, next year. Run out and get yeah. it next year. I mean, a couple of the spinoffs were actually apparently worth the effort. Like, um, but, uh, I know Wheels I is the one. One of the ones that they had like Sting working on. Yeah, that was the one. Sting made the one with Noir. I think it was a tactical game. Yeah, and like Wheels was a fan of the gameplay of that. Which is amazing, considering his general opinion of everything that Compile Heart puts out. Yeah, so, but he loves Sting, so... I mean, consistent, consistent, if nothing else. 
Uh, yeah, holy shit. I'm just like looking at this like Neptunia fan wiki article. It's just teaching me the names of a lot of very strange uh, Japanese streaming collectives with names like Bun Bun. So <laughs> that's that's a, that's a thing to learn about. If you keep, Horror Academian. If you keep going down the well, you might never come back out. Electronic Fairy Project. Wactor. Okay, well, I've learned too much and I'm dying now. So, uh, yeah, that's... We will have to do research. I hope one day to answer that there is no such thing as one of these games where I can't at least name some fans of the franchise, so... I've got to learn. I've got to learn and get confused, but mostly learn. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got any others on on this uh, weird esteemed list? Let's see. Okay, well, that was number 12. Number. Yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, that's a Saturn question. Let's see that one for later. Do third-party companies still make weird accessories for the Switch like they did for the DS and PSP? And we. And the answer is, as far as I can tell, no. It, <laughs> they're still I mean, there, but they're like they're not wild the way that like the actual first-party items are. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think part of the issue is just that like most of what people would actually buy are cheaper Joy-Cons, and cheaper Joy-Cons usually have to give up the idea of, like, actually being able to function separate from the unit, which, you know, that's fine. But, like, that's that's about all I see for the Switch. I never see, like... I There, I have a deep appreciation for the hellish... Uh, the absolutely hellish, uh, like, period early in the Wii's lifetime when it was just, like... What kind of garbage can you can you cram a Wii remote into? Just imagine. Mm -hmm. Imagine for a moment. And then, like, that reaching its apotheosis a few years in when someone was like, just jam it inside of a shitty plastic baby doll. And I don't think anyone ever topped that. No. But yeah, for weird third-party items, I can't really think of any. For weird first-party items, I can think of several. Yeah, so, do tell, I mean do the the entire Wii Lab, or not Wii Lab, but Switch Lab. Oh, Labo, yeah, Labo's kind of wild. Yeah. See also uh, Mario Kart Live Circuit. Mm -hmm. That is one of the nichest products I've ever seen a company put forward. Like, here's an augmented reality game where you have to build it in your living room. It's, it's neat. It feels like it's designed for a home I've never seen, but uh, hats off to Nintendo for picking up the slack of doing just utterly wild things with the Switch. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Wii Fit. I mean, not Wii Fit. Why do I keep saying Wii? Ring the Fit. Switch, yeah, the, the Switch um, exercise RPG. Yeah, Ring Fit. That game's really neat, actually. Yeah, I actually like that until I, you know, busted my toe. Not because of it, because of something else, but I can't do we Ring Fit because there is some running in place and stuff that involves your feet. Uh, so uh, I have to broken. heal up. Yeah, I'm, uh, a, I'm, a, I'm a broken, I'm a broken, <laughs> gimpy person. Uh, and it happens whatnot. to us all. I think Tam wants to know, do you guys want me to hype it to Skype to join in? 
I mean, I've got no issues, although I'd have to find the Skype in. We'd have to, we'd have to do some work, but. Yeah, I'm except not the person that's close controls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. But yeah, the ring fit, it looked very gimmicky and it looked very silly. It somehow even looked more silly than the Wii board. Remember that? But uh, it actually, with that little RPG thing, is is actually kind of fun. It does give you a bit nothing of a workout. Things about it as like a workout and like, you know, actually being like the RPG around it gives it enough context to kind of keep people coming back. So Yeah. Good on that. So it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I remember uh, hearing rumors about the thing before it came out and like the amount of immediate jokes about Nintendo's going to sell you a big rubber ring and like acting like that was too too preposterous to work and people people really need to learn. And as Tam's uh, pointing out, the timing with the whole COVID and being stuck at home. Thing, yeah, that ended up being really perfect. Yeah, that, that just... Hmm. Yep. So it's, I mean, I don't trust any market analyst's opinion of what Nintendo's about to do at this point. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But, but Bracter says they, they, they just need to get rid of the, uh, you know, switches and just do the switch lights. Just the that handheld. Was one of the, like, I, I remember seeing that and I stand by the immediate response I had to that, which was, what do I need to do to become an analyst? Can I just skip to the part where people pay me to say something stupid? Because I got plenty of that in me, so... You know. Mm-hmm. That's that such a weird claim. Like, Switch lights don't sell as well as the original Switch. They don't sell poorly, but they don't sell as well as the original Switch because people like having options. Uh, whatever, that's not... Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish that I could be paid to say something like that and not only not have cons- like a negative consequences, but to continue to be paid for it. All right. That sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, so. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> what else you got for us? Okay, what have we got down here? Let's see. Your choice for the best RPG spinoff of an existing, I'm assuming, non-RPG franchise. Repeat that? I'm, I'm processing. So, your choice for the best RPG spinoff of an existing franchise. And I'm going to assume that the existing franchise is not an RPG to begin with. Mm. Probably one of the Mario RPGs if I was forced... I mean, that's the easy answer right there. Yeah, if we take that out, like, it gets into, like, not a lot of companies actually have taken this kind of risk, I guess. I mean, he just says franchise. He doesn't say game franchise. Oh, that's true, that's true. So, I mean, like, I could nominate the Sergeant Frog RPG, and I will. you will. Um, Yeah, (laughs) because that was an excellent, excellent game from Wolf Studio or Tail Studio. That was technically not part of the Tales franchise. Even, Even though, though everyone up to and including the developers made jokes about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, so you just mean something that wasn't even a game? It can be. It doesn't have to be. But yeah. It just I says mean, an existing franchise. The, he doesn't the, specify. The, the, the one that I think, I mean, arguably might be the biggest answer there is Witcher. 
I mean, you took this oh, series yeah. of books and you turned it into one of the most beloved and, in many people's opinions, best RPG, you know, game of the year, you know, with Witcher 3 and its expansions. Every time I hear a top 10 or top 100 list, Witcher is really high towards the top and it sometimes takes the number one spot, depending on who you ask. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Okay. So I'm, it's probably one of the, probably the best, but let's focus on some of the weirds too. Um <laughs> Getting into some weird. Nap, 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 nap. They take they take characters they, no. from consoles Stop and turn it into up. an RPG. <laughs> nap, nap. Which one's coming back? Which game the is Neptunia, this? The Neptunia series. The characters and everything are all derived from the names of consoles, and they make characters out of them and stories out of them. I can't believe they turned the Sega Neptune, a, a thing that didn't even come out, and turned it into the protagonist. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if that counts as a franchise, however. Um, it's a different one. Um, the Power Pro Kun Pocket series actually had an RPG mode for at least two games. Yeah, some of those sports RPGs are kind of neat. Yeah. Any other good ones? I mean, there's all sorts of weird buttons all over. Um, I mean, any given or any random um, shonen jump manga probably had an RPG spinoff at some oh, point. Oh, so many of them. Some of them even come to the U.S., which is always weird. Some uh, of them were even playable, which was also sometimes weird. <laughs> uh, Tam says Izuma 11. Oh, Izanuma 11. Well, I mean, okay, so if, if we imagine Season 11 game, as a though. spinoff of FIFA, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because like, I think that started as a game and then became an anime. It's yeah. one of those situations where it's like, Level 5 always had this, I, I'm sure that they're still trying this, even if they seem to be in like dire straits, but Level 5 always had this like thing where it's like, we will make a game and then like spin it out into every form of media we can manage. Yeah, they were always very much big on the multimedia aspects. Yeah. I mean, they still Inazuma. own the name rights to the soccer stadium in Fukuoka. Yeah, that'll yeah. be the last thing they sell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just too good an advertisement for for Inazuma Eleven. The level five stadium. <laughs> it, it's an it's one of the most awesome stadium names in the country. <sighs> this level five. Yeah, isn't level five basically like saying A plus? <laughs> uh... Pretty much. Welcome to A Plus Stadium. But yeah, I think their American branch is basically all but officially shut down. But yeah, not that that was bad. ever a huge branch to begin with. But it doesn't seem to have successfully. Uh, it seems to have just sort of died on the vine. Yeah, I mean they're they're still active. They're still they still have things in production. They just need to. They need a hit up, at this point. Yeah, work up what's going to be their next hit because Snack World was not it. They did try with that one. Yeah. I mean, they do that every few years. It's like, well, time to make yep. a new franchise to sell to yep. 12-year-olds. <laughs> yep. And I shall note that every week in the what are you looking forward to rankings on Famitsu, Ushiro is still listed on there. <laughs> still. Uh, the, apparently the president of Level 5 thinks this is hilarious that so many, um, that at least five to 700 people are dedicated enough to vote into Famitsu every week. 
Um, they did eventually reannounce it on Switch, but no, they have hinted that it might be a possibility, and that's why five to seven hundred people are voting for it every single week for the looking forward to list. Someday, one day. Someday. I mean, I'll admit I was kind of disappointed when it was canceled for PSP in like twenty ten. <laughs> like, yeah, about a decade ago. Um but you know what? If it comes up for Switch, I'm buying it just to see. It, it, I feel like you kind of have to because it's like, okay, what did this end up producing? Even if it doesn't, even if the answer is nothing that interesting, the fact that they finally put it out is too interesting to just ignore. Yes. <laughs> it's like everyone that bought Duke Nukem Forever out of bile fascination, <laughs> except hopefully less horrible than that. Yep. Okay then, uh, Doom RPG. Oh yeah, that's a that's a nuts one. I was gonna say that one is that one should be on the top of the list for how did this happen? How did this happen, and why is this actually pretty good? <laughs> this was a Doom cell phone RPG, and it was actually pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to say like first person sort of shooting R- um, uh, RPG dungeon crawler. I have played a couple of games that would work like that. Um, I've played a couple that were actually first-person shooter RPGs like that. I did not get very far on those. But, um, like, Beyond the Labyrinth was practically what you would imagine from a Doom RPG without the frantic running around. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I mean, you could even snipe enemies from halfway across an area at one point. As long as you had good line of sight. I did always appreciate that, uh, in addition to uh, Doom RPG, there was also a uh, a, a fan-made Doom roguelike. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Eventually, that officially, like, officially they had to rename it, and they called it DRL, and they refused to say what DRL stood for. They should the web- have named it BFG. <laughs> the the website, uh, if you look it up now, just says DRL dash D asterisk asterisk M. <laughs> the roguelike. <laughs> <laughs> Who could it be? Uh, yeah, it's just one of those fan projects that's always been kind of amusing to me. Uh. Oh, yeah, apparently uh, that had a tile set concocted for it from, I think, the Spelunky guy. Let me check. Yeah, the Spelunky guy actually concocted a tile set for Doom Roguelike. So that's kind of neat. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's always been... One that's both Doom RPG and Doom Marvel, like I feel like both qualify for this. Oh, and apparently it has uh, an official sequel that is not pretend that is uh, pretending that it's Doom unrelated. This one's called Jupiter Hell. Wonder how that is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so those are, those are some good RPG spinoffs. How much time you got left, Gaijin? Oh, about maybe half an hour. 
Okay, okay. I was worried that you were drawing close. So I was going to say, if you were drawing close, I was going to say you should get your plug in first. But... Oh, should always try, but yeah. So, yes, yeah, so, yay. <clears throat> uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, uh, currently nine episode series on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited for um, ebook, also with two soon to be three paperback collections, also available on Amazon. Um, nice. Yes, um, search for Michael, M A I K E L, Yarimizu, Y A R I M I Z U. There we go. Oh, yeah, I forgot your first name is also being spelled out like it's Japanese. So. I figure, hey, why not? You might as uh, well just go with it. I mean, if I'm if I'm using a pen name solely because my actual name gets lost in the white noise of Google whenever I try to search it, sure, let's just go for broke here. Yeah, that's that's a less common spelling of Michael. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, uh, it's better than how they actually pronounce it over here. Oh, that must be must be a bit of a a job. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes they will pronounce it as with the official katakana, but if they're pronouncing it like they hear me say it, Japanese people don't always hear a final L sound. Ah. So I had plenty of students back in the day who's who were convinced that my name was Maiko. <laughs> yeah. So th expect. there is no way to properly notate a final R or final L in Japanese. So they just don't hear it a lot of the time. Listen, you just gotta you just gotta grab and just gotta grab a copy of what's Michael. Let mm -hmm. them let them learn through the learn through the magic of cats not being terribly interested. Yep. Sorry, I have a, a long history of uh, strange obsession with what's Michael. <laughs> oh, that manga, yes. I've only read one volume of it. It was for some reason in my daughter's, cl um, like doctor's clinic's waiting room, and I <laughs> had to like wonder, a, a I had to wonder why it was in there after I got halfway through. Because <laughs> I mean, it's I mean it's all about this cat wandering through random things, getting in the way, and licking its own butt. Yeah, it's it's a. I think one of my favorite descriptions I've ever read of anything. It's like a What's Michael story. Uh, okay, here's this beautiful Wikipedia description. Michael, in human clothes, is interrogated by two cat policemen. He reportedly stole Niboshi from the Monroe shop on 3rd Street and left a paw print. In turn, he accuses one of the interrogators of not covering his poop with sand. They both deny the accusations, but their obvious guilty cat body languages give it all away. In the end, all of them are still easily distracted cats and just go on to chase flies and geckos. Yeah. Well, in this particular volume that I was reading through, one of the scenes that he ends up walking through and just being a general pest in yeah. is a is a photo shoot for a men, for a gentleman's magazine. <laughs> and so, of course, the the centerpiece of the of the scene is this lady with absolutely nothing on, and the cat manages to get in the way of every single compromising <laughs> shot that you might have seen. That's beautiful. Uh, there's a there's a couple What's Michael anime. I've watched like one of the OVAs, and it's honestly very very entertaining. If you've never yeah. seen them, I recommend them. <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, it's just a very silly series, and I mean, 
But, but yes, that one particular episode within the volume made me wonder why this was in a an office. Yeah, that one, that particular episode's like, oh, it's a little, a uh, little questionable. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, oh, what was it? I saw a, <laughs> that, that, that OVA was, was very cute, and it also has essentially, uh, perhaps the most, uh, me-targeted thing ever, which is, uh, a pa- like, Michael and another anime cat doing like failing to do pro wrestling moves on each other because every time they try to like fall on each other, they land on their legs anyway. (laughs) There's also one of my favorite YouTube videos that I always have difficulty tracking down again. It's like, there's this old uh, Panasonic CD player ad in Japan that has like re that for, I don't even know why he's in it, but like, Michael is in it and he's just dancing because it's like CD and then it just uh, like expands out the word CD to uh, stand for cat god dance. <laughs> I have no idea why this ad takes the tack that it does, but I love every second of it and I hate that I have so much trouble finding it. But it's beautiful. Uh, well, that was a fun sidetrack. Uh, <laughs> yes. We need a What's Michael RPG. Oh, man. I'd play that. <laughs> Just neighborhood cats wandering around doing cat things. Yes. Uh... Let's see. How long did this... Okay, so it was only a five-year manga series. Yeah. And it's just lasted so far beyond that. Yeah, it seems to have just been kind of evergreen for a while there, so... It's I mean, just, it's not it's like a, you need a lot of context for it, so... Yeah. It just gets reprints every once in a while. Yeah. And I guess it just keeps selling, so... Won some sort of uh, Kodansha award for manga. Seems to have been fairly popular when it was new. But, and it did actually get official English translation, so... You know, just just very cute. Uh, oh yeah that's uh, <laughs> one of the uh, chapter the second chapter that uh, seems to uh, exist in uh, as far as Wikipedia is aware of in English is uh, Beauty and Kitty <laughs> yep <laughs> so, yeah Strange, strange uh, thing. Uh, I guess uh, all sides of the Pacific must bow to the power, the comedic power of orange cats. Yep. However, I much prefer Michael to Garfield. Same, same. Yeah. But yeah, what's Michael is just a testament to how diverse the Japanese manga industry really is. Yeah, like you kind of get like that kind of comic, like just an animal being... And acting like an animal and being vaguely cute and funny doesn't really exist in American comics. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, one of the most fascinating things you'll ever find is, like, the actual history of the, like, shrinking of what American comics could be about, like, and how much it's just built on, like, oh, 
superhero comics were basically the only things you could make compliant with the Comics Code Authority rules. So, uh, and like part part of the Comics Code Authority was essentially partly pushed by companies that made a lot of superhero comics to essentially drive their competitors who made things like horror comics and crime comics and all that out of business. Yeah, th- there's some really weird stuff in behind it's, the scenes of the old comics industry in America. And a yeah, lot of the differences between East and West can be derived just to that decade. Yeah, like the 50s really like, and the skullduggery that caused that code to be put in place really like you know, like lopped off the head of the industry. There's a big reason that game developers in the 90s were, it, it can be hard to even fathom, like, why why were we so scared of, like, this kind of regulation? Because, like, look at what the CCA did to the growth of comics as a medium in the West, in the U.S. Yep. So. Yeah. And that's, uh... Uh, oops, I turned on my camera. Don't turn on the camera. Okay. Don't worry, we can't see you. <laughs> no, you don't want to see me. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a concern because there's a lot of, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, fighting going back and forth of what can and can't be in a comic book because some of it, you know, comes across pretty offensive and stuff. So gets into all those things. It, it, it really fascinates me how certain things offended people in the 80s and now in the 2000s and the 2020s, and that keeps shifting. So there's different rules for the comics, and mm-hmm. they're having a hard time navigating those waters, yeah. you know, whether it's the government yeah. or the court of public opinion. Yeah. The list whereas of things... In, okay. I was going to say, whereas in Japan, it's mostly a question of how much of a naked person's body are you allowed to show in which context, and how is your comic going to be marketed by that? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, if you really want to bear all, it is possible, and you will only you'll be restricted to very specific stores, and that's yeah. It. You just need to find who's willing to carry that if you really want to do it. Yeah, and for and for the most extreme stuff, there's just the dojin uh, circles. Yeah, uh, I am I am losing it looking at what's actually in the 1954 comics code. It's inc- it's one of the most profoundly restrictive things I've ever read. As I recall, there was something about. Um, banning jokes about um, traveling salesmen and farmers' daughters. That's probably in here somewhere. Um, I mean, literally a line that specifically forbade that joke. It was either in the comics code or in the old movie codes, one or the other. I think that's a Hayes code thing. It's uh, probably a Hayes code. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm... if you look at the American comic book industry and the extreme hyper focus on superhero comics, it's almost like a it's a bottleneck effect. Yeah, like it's it's absolutely just like because like some of these I'm just gonna pull some of these out. No comics magazine show use the words horror or terror in its title. Uh, okay, suspense. It's a use it. Uh, let's see. All scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permiss- permitted. Uh, all loose, lurid. Unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall be eliminated. A lot of these are really like ambiguous. What that means, like that makes what counts it easier as, to prosecute. Yep, pretty much. Which means you need to be very careful about what you're allowed to do with that, to do with any of this. Uh, inclusion of stories dealing with evil shall uh, shall be used or shall be published only when the intent is to illustrate a moral issue, and in no case shall evil be presented alluringly. Not 
nor as to injure the sensibilities of the reader. In every instance, good shall triumph over evil and the criminal shall be pu- punished for his misdeeds. Uh, it's, it's like there's just any anything that would be like like anything that would present any kind of moral ambiguity is immediately out the window. Uh, scenes dealing with her instrument, uh, instruments associated with Walking Dead, torture, vampires, and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism are prohibited. <laughs> no werewolves. <laughs> it's 1954, and we're not here for werewolves. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this is another one that's like, one... They didn't abide by this. And two, this is really hard to uh, actually inform, to actually like say what counts. Uh, females shall be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. I don't know how you enforce that. You don't, which is why when they finally started breaking the comics code in the late 70s, early 80s, nobody could actually get them on it. It was like, we're just daring to do it. Try something. Yeah. But, I mean, we had, like, two decades of damage done by that point anyway. Yeah, like, it was already too late because, like, a bunch of companies had gone out of business. (laughs) But, yeah, I just... I'm still thinking... Like, I'm going to be thinking about (laughs) werewolves are banned from comics circa 1954 for a while. Yeah. So, Uh, yeah. Talking about a, a massive creative bottleneck, though. Yeah, no, an absolute destruction of yeah. the commercial U.S. comics industry. Like, underground comics are basically the only thing that was able to come out of that. And, I mean, those are still, like, essentially bottlenecked by the inherent... Uh... I mean, they are self-bottlenecked quite often by the communal sense of humor of the creators. Yeah, definitely a lot of that. But, I mean, even just, like, in terms of even the creators that decide they want to go more mainstream, like they're bottlenecked by the fact that the only way to go mainstream is to go into one of the big comics companies and all of those just make superhero comics. Yeah. I mean, that's, I know I still remember the first explosion of web comics about 20 years ago now. Oh yeah. Like that was a, that was a huge like path to legitimate, uh, you know, it still is. Um, yeah. I mean, I know I know of several um, people who worked in the orig- the old comics industry for the big two, and they are just producing their own stuff on the internet now and selling it um, on their own, and they're enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah, because they're I like, mean, yeah, we can finally just tell these stories that we were wanting to tell. Tell the stories you want to tell. Like, use the kind of page layouts you want to use. Like, mm-hmm. you're not like limited by how physical pages work. You get a lot more. Like, if, if you can. And I mean, like, you know, the, the I mean, boom not on limited web. by what the editors say that you can do for your material. Yeah. Like the boom on web comics is like largely passed, but I mean, you can still make them work. Uh, I know yeah. a few people that do that as well. I mean, the boom, the original boom is, I mean, I think we've gone like two, through two or three at this point, but it's, yeah, it's still a lot more viable than the independent comics industry ever was before. I mean, you also just have so much less overhead. Like, you can't, yeah. like, be, I need, like, a bazillion dollars to actually print a bunch of comics and hope that people buy them. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a much lower risk thing to enter. So that's part of why booms in web comics keep happening every so every you know five or so years. That it's like, oh well, you know, someone who feels like making one can make one, and like if that works out, then well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, best uh, best best comic based RPG. Let's put something out there for one last thing. And you're gonna say you're gonna say Tales of Frog, and you're probably gonna be right. <laughs> well, I could, and but you have already mentioned it, and so I do not need to. But have I? I mean, so have I plenty of others that were manga based? Um, I played a karaoke RPG that was actually pretty. I mean, not that good, but it was fun. Good, okay. Um, yeah. Let's see what else. Oof. Played a full metal alchemist game once that was okay. Oh yeah, I remember you mentioning this and I was irritated yeah. that none of the ones they brought over were ever RPGs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this one suffered from the same issue as the anime in that it was made well before the comics ever concluded. Yeah. So it had a I mean, it was playing a side story within let's say within and behind some sections of the greed and first lust arcs of the, mm. of the anime. And it kind of hinted at what um, General King was supposed to be mm. without actually revealing anything, which is good because I'm not sure if they had actually decided in the anime yet what was going on with him. Let alone the manga. Yeah. Um, so, um... Yeah. Okay. Good one for comic books. You know, I, I know Adventure Time had a couple. Oh games. yeah, we also had a few that he really loved, actually. I know Nick's enjoyed them too. Um, Wheels was a big fan of Explore the Dungeon because I don't know. Yes, I remember. Um, I was the one who got Nick's to capitalize "I don't know" in all caps, just because that's how the character would say it. It makes sense. Yes. Um, there was another one that's basically a link to the past, which I always intended to get around to. Yeah. Uh, Any good ones that were comic books? Let's see. I mean, how many American comic books have video game or actual RPGs made uh, from them? Yeah, it's a very, very vanishingly rare concept. Mostly are X Men. Oh, yeah, the X Men Legends games are actually pretty solid. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised oh, yeah. that they didn't try to I make a game out of the X-Men manga. That would have been incredible, and we are a lesser a lesser species for not having allowed it to happen. Yeah. I yeah. love X-Men Legends 1 and 2. I, those are good games. Yeah, and then they kind of turned into Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which is also pretty good. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you, you can find more games that were parodies of the big two comic books. Oh, definitely, definitely. But yeah, not then, many that are actually. But then there was Justice League Heroes, which wanted to be X Men Legends, but didn't quite pull it off. That happens a lot. I, I googled uh, uh, American comic based RPGs, and it took me to a Wikipedia page that's taking me to nothing but tabletop games based off of properties I refuse to believe. <laughs> because guess what? I'm looking at a Wikipedia article for a Prince Valiant tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the audience... A second edition happened in 2018? No! 
I refuse to believe that Prince Valiant was still running in 2018. I can't. Well, I'm ruined. Everything's gone. Uh, I have been destroyed by the existence of the Prince Valiant tabletop RPG. I'm sorry. Oh, you want to be destroyed more? Yes. Dallas, the RPG. Damn it! No! I only know that it exists and that one of the webcomic artists I follow actually has a copy and he's made jokes about it. Oh, Dallas was a thing at some point for some reason. Uh, This does remind me of the (laughs) the mid-80s PC adventure game Dallas Quest, which is a TRS-80 Commodore 64, that sort of thing. Uh adventure game based off of Dallas <laughs> plays like a King's Quest game or something <sighs> just... okay. well I'm a run okay okay yeah Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure there was a Kitaro RPG at some point. Let me check oh, here. Oh, a few. There's a bunch on the Famicom, I think. I uh, mean, actual actual RPGs yeah. or action games, because most there, of the ones I remember are action games. There is definitely a Kitaro RPG on Famicom, although I'm not. I'm given to understand it's not terribly good, but that's not surprising either. Yeah. There One of the video games. One of the Kitaro action games was just randomly, like, re-sprited and rebadged as Ninja Kid in the U.S. It happens. Yeah. Um, Ibun Yokai Tan, I think that was an RPG, maybe. That was a, oh, patchy slot game, no. Uh, okay, no. Gig, uh, Yokai Gundan no Chosen is apparently an RPG. Yokai Gundan no Chosen. Where is that one? That appears to be the second Famicom one. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia doesn't bother giving the... Yeah, it doesn't... Uh, yeah, the, its title is, for some reason, on U.S. Wikipedia, only given in the... Uh, only given in the article for the first one, where it mentions that the sequel, Gegege no Kitaro to Yokai Gundan no Chosen, was released the following year and is an RPG. So, you know what, let's just look down here to the Japanese Yeah, one. Japanese Wikipedia is probably much better about this. Radio, drama, let's see. Oh, Radio, drama, anime, novels, TV, drama, direct-to-video. There we go, games. Okay, so let's see. Uh, yep, yeah. Yokai Gundan no Chosen is the second game. Fukatsu Tenmadaio, Yokai Sozo. Sure. Okay. The um, the creator appears. Okay. Let's see the Saturn game. The Strange Tale of the Phantom Winter. Okay. Okay. Let's see. That's okay. Pachinko machine. Pachinko slot machine. Yokai Hana's Flower Play. Okay, that's a Windows game. 
Eben Yokai. Let's see. Simulation RPG for PlayStation 2. I know I'd seen that at some point. Utilizing the base system from from Super Robot Wars um, Lord of Elemental. Okay. <laughs> Not that franchise's finest hour, but okay. Yeah, no, just using the engine. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. The Game Boy Advance game is uh, action game, 2D action game. Yeah, there's like a Konami one that seems to have been built in like the Aria of Sorrow engine. <laughs> yeah, multiple Konamis. Uh, pl- oh, there you go. Game Boy Advance and PlayStation were both two Konami games. Yeah, and there's Konami also a PS2 one from Konami. Actually, the simulation RPG was Konami as well. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, they went out that license like they were killing cats for a bit there. I think the most um, horror. Oh, good. Maybe that's what Konami does with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think the most nightmarish thing that I'm finding while looking this up is one of these games was released for a Super Famicom uh, peripheral I've literally never heard of until this very moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a peripheral called the Sufami Turbo, which was like. A, a cart that you stuck into your Super Nintendo that had two cartridge ports on top of it, but they were different kinds of cartridge ports than the Super Famicom had. And, like, they were designed to be cheaper cartridges, and also you could plug in both of them and they could share data. Mm. And it just sounds weird as shit. And the idea that there were multiple games that... Okay, there's a sh- just a shit ton of Gundam games that use it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a couple, a Shinchan game, a Kitaro game, a Sailor Moon game, uh, uh, a Sentai Car Ranger game, and something called all the, th- all the shovelware stuff. Yeah, basically, like the kind of thing that uh, Bondi would like have made on its own, and they just wanted to make it cheaper now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, on that note, I need to get going. Okay, I'll see ya. Okay. Okay. So enjoy talk. So enjoy talking about um three, two, one. Muso. Muso. Oh, I'm not ready. Damn you! Oh, right. <laughs> oh my god, it'd be so crazy just to take over the world. Yes. Hey, well, that one place. Okay, so Phil, Phil, party question for you. But what was your favorite Muso spinoff title, uh, or of a different franchise? I mean, yeah, there's so many goes, but I mean, Hyrule, I mean, Hyrule Warriors, it, it is, I mean, that is, you know, I wasn't expecting much. I just figured that what Koei Tecmo, whatever they are, would just take like the license and, you know, make it like a Dicey Warriors game and call it a day, and just kind of phone it in. Yeah. But there's so much love and attention, you know, in that, in that game. I mean, they, there's, there's, you know, they did just, just went through the, all the games, the old games and put in. Little Easter eggs, costumes, designed the adventure mode maps after them. Uh, so so many different characters and move sets. It, 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 it's just such a joy to play. Even if you don't like Zelda, it is arguably uh, the best Musou game out of all of them. I like it is just so well done. Okay. Well, see you later, dudes. <laughs> see Bye. ya. On that same note, Phil, have you actually have you gotten the chance to start Age of Calamity yet, or? I just played the demo for a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to get through. I'm trying to. I'm trying to push my way through Breath of the Wild since it's a little bit more Age of Calamity. 
is a little more story dependent than uh, the original Hyrule Warriors, gotcha. uh, which, by the way, Hyrule Warriors actually has a really cute, you know, story mode that you start off with. It actually <laughs> tells its own self-contained story, which is actually pretty cute and decent for a Musou game. Um, but uh, but Age of Calamity is is a prequel to Breath of Breath the Wild. Of the Wild yeah. Which I never got through or even to the anywhere because I just didn't much care for the gameplay. So now I'm kind oh, of pushing my way through it. And on one hand, I'm enjoying certain parts that I kind of gave up on. The exploration is cool. Everyone loves the exploration. I, I admit that the exploration part of it is cool. Um, like the combat is solid, though. I, I just have a really hard time seemingly getting the, the, the timing down. But, you know, it's it, the physics system, of course. Gotta get those perfect dodges. Oh, those perfect dodges drive me insane. Like, I'll slip my wrist before I get one of those. If, <laughs> it's just it's just terrible. It's the same thing. When people start talking about, like, iframes and Monster Hunter, I'm just <laughs> like, no, you've lost me. The way I get through Monster Hunter is I overgear. I, I just, I've always got the right armor for the monster. Hold on, we're about to fight, uh, you know, Anjanath. Let me go get my anti-fire gear. Everybody, like, people like wheels. He's just like, I'm, I'm here naked. It's fine. I'm going to dodge. I'm I'll make it work. Yeah, I'm going to iframe through this dinosaur. And I'm like, I'm, I look like a walking tank. And I've got, like, 200 healing potions with me. So that I, I usually get through those by preparing. But, yeah, Breath of the Wild, uh, it definitely... You can do a lot of preparation, too, for that one. So that kind of helps. But uh, you can walk around with a bunch of food to eat. But, uh, yeah. And now I'm up to the... Uh, then there's the mini temples, which are hit or miss for me. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's it's the same thing. It's the same argument with Operencia. Like, that was the thing. I, I told the guy when we were when we were streaming, for me, puzzles, you know, they're so hit or miss. If you get the puzzle, you feel accomplished. If you don't get the puzzle it can stop you dead in your tracks and outside an FAQ handy. You could be there 15, 30, two hours. We had this problem with the NES games, right? You didn't have <laughs> FAQs back then. How many times did you play a game and you were just stuck for hours? Sometimes you just gave up, well, you know, cause you just didn't know. One thing I do like about Breath of the Wild structure is that if you do run into one that just completely stumps you, you can just leave it. Like it's not going to stonewall you. You can just go and do, do a different one or do something else. Yeah, you can. Uh, then, uh, then I uh, then I got to the walking fortress. So I really want to get past the walking fortress, but uh, because it's one of those big, one of the big four doodads. Oh, um, the 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 divine beasts. Yeah, yeah, and it's just I I, I haven't I haven't played a lot of Zelda's lately. I've missed the last generation or two of Zelda games, so I don't know how those dungeons have been. But I'm I'm definitely OG. Nothing I, like I, these ones. Yeah. <laughs> I've used up like in the older I played the the NES Zelda. I played that sequel and somehow managed to beat that insanity. Um, yeah, I don't know how you finish Zelda two and have Zelda issues 2. with literally any other video game in the franchise. I know. I think I had a Nintendo Power helping me out on that. Oh, one. probably, probably. They they uh, probably got a ton of uh, coverage of that one. Yeah, it did a Link Before Time and and then Zelda. What was it? The Ocarina of Time or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah. That one I had a that one I definitely had a little bit of a guide when I had the water temple I had to have a guide. Yeah, but, I ever did. <laughs> yeah, this, so already with this guy here, I'm like not even the second. Room, I'm like I, I have no idea where to go next. It's, it's yeah. So, uh, it's rough when you're like uh, I took it with me on a trip, and when you're on a plane, and then you're stuck in like people's you're cars stuck somewhere, and you don't really have an option anymore. <laughs> and then you go play nap nap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean you don't have to go for the worst. <laughs> 
worst entertainment options you have. Uh, yeah, that's that's my knee-jerk reaction. I mean, Zelda's a triple A title that everyone gives a ten out of ten. If I can't get any enjoyment out of that, then I'm gonna go play Nep Nep. That's, that's a dan- that's like at that at that point you are strapping dynamite to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if I can't have fun with this, I will choose my worst possible option. Uh, uh goodness gracious. Yeah, no, that's why that's why I like I like uh RPGs where the challenge comes a little bit more from, you know, tactics in the combat. So you'll face a, you know, a tough fight in some games like monster hunter. I feel like is one of those games for the most part, if I'm fighting a tough monster and I can't get past them, it's usually just a matter of, of trying a different weapon, trying a different approach, trying different tactics. I had that problem with Diablos. He was just a, a hard wall for me. Uh, and I'm used to using the insect late, but I, he just kept kicking my arse over and over again. Uh, I didn't FAQ it. I didn't do any of that. I just thought about it a, a bit. I was like, you know, he's so fast and he's so always at me. Let me switch to the lance, which is a more defensive weapon. And I just hold my shield up. He rushes. And then I do poke, poke, poke. The lance is one of the simplest weapons in terms of its combos. Poke, 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 poke. And uh, yeah, totally won that battle. I just, I was just giggling because I was just trying something different. You know, won the day. So I, I like, I like more strategic stuff rather than puzzles which are looking for usually one specific answer. And if it, and if it doesn't click in your head, mm. yeah. So, uh, I will, uh, I will interrupt you just a bit to, because you have wandered into a question from one of our, uh, prior episodes that we haven't answered yet. And that would very much reflect, uh, would very much be something you would be in a position to answer. Uh, this one comes from shaman and shaman asks, since I'm not sure of the status of the hunt, what blunt weapon would you recommend for a switch axe main? This is for Generations Ultimate. I'm not sure if you've played much of that one. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Mike's been uh, kind of busy, and I've been refocused. So, uh, yeah, that's a good question as far as the hunt. I think if I found... I was expecting it would just come back when Rise came out. But... I know. They will get, like, three more episodes, and then it'll go away again. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a healthy yeah. way for it to work. <laughs> right just for every expansion you get a few more you get a few more episodes uh and, and the such but uh you know if i maybe if we had like a third person who was also really into it and want to do some more you know hunster of the week I, i'd be up for it uh but anywho uh so somebody who uses a switch axe and is looking for a blunt now you don't get too many you, you, you're kind of limited when it comes to blunt you got the hunting horn you've got the hammer of course You've got the shield on the sword and shield that does blunt damage. Uh, those three kind of quickly come to mind. I don't, I'm just trying to think through my head. I don't think without a list in front of me, I don't think there's anything else that necessarily does blunt damage. There is, of course, uh, I think there's like uh, the bow and arrow. You can do, uh, there's a secondary attack on there where rocks fall from the sky and that does blunt damage. But uh, that's not really conducive to like knocking creatures out repeatedly. So usually, I mean, the hammer is actually a very good beginner's weapon. It is very different than a switch. Uh, did, you, did you say switch axe or charge blade? Uh, switch axe. Switch axe. Yeah, it's definitely different than, than the, switch, uh, the switch axe. Uh, but uh, the combos are a bit easier. And you do get the really cool thing where if you slide down a hit. Well, we're talking generations, so not Monster Hunter World. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, the hunting horde is so out there. I mean, you will be the life of the party if you can figure that beast out, especially in Generations <laughs> Ultimate, because with Monster Hunter World, they will put the notes that you need to play the songs of your hunting horn on the screen in the corner. But in the older games, like Generations, uh, you, there was no such animal. 
So you, you, you had to memorize them before you went into a fight or you could, you could let your friends fight while you look up your hunter notes, uh, which is really funny. You try to remember what the player, you just memorize them or you have an FAQ open in front of you on your iPad. So, uh, but if you can figure that out, uh, hunting horn players, if you're in a multiplayer setting, they're really, really in demand. But yeah, you don't have a, a, a crap ton of options when it comes to blunt. And I don't think anything quite fit, fit, feels like the Switch. I mean, the hammer come the closest, I would think. Um, so. So that's your recommendation, would be the hammer? <laughs> yeah, give the, give the hammer a try. Like, hammer... I'm I'm not much of a blunt person myself, yeah. but uh, but when I started up a new game of Monster Hunter World on the PC because I I maxed out pretty much on PS4, uh, uh, so uh, a friend had the PC wanted to play me on the PC as so I started a new character. I started partnering around a lot more with the hammer, and it feels so good. It, it feels so much different than a sharp weapon in terms of uh, it has such a weight behind it when you knock the monsters upside the head and you KO them. It's so much satisfaction so much satisfaction. It, it is if you can master it, it it is it is so worth it um but it is a slower it's going to be a little bit of a slower weapon than your switch axe not too much slower because the switch axe isn't exactly fast it is uh yes i mean if you think of the switch axe in axe mode your hammer is kind of in the same ballpark anyway so that's why i say they're kind of you know similar hunting horn if you feel like the hammer is just too simple <laughs> and you want more you want more challenge by all means she wished to be profoundly confused by your weapon yeah now i i personally uh i enjoy the sword and shield but uh, a lot but the uh but the blunt side of the shield i have occasionally knocked out a monster but i've not been able to reliably knock out monsters with it uh, maybe i'm just not good enough uh, I, for if i really want to knock if i want to break off head chunks and i want to knock out monsters cold i rely on the hammer it's hammer time. Hammer man. Hammer. Okay, I won't do that. Uh, don't that hurt is... hammer. Please, hammer. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Yeah, I might have to join you guys on the Monster Hunter train for Monster Hunter Rise because the, those trailers were very compelling to me. So. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. And I know a lot of people are jumping into Generations or Monster Hunter World because they want to get their, you know, wet their appetite for Rise. Uh, mm -hmm. And you, you can't go wrong with either one. They're, they're obviously two different flavors and on two different platforms. <laughs> yeah. So usually which one you're playing really depends on what you have access to. Uh, mm -hmm. If you got access to, to both, uh, you know, the Rise, uh, no one knows exactly what it's going to be like. I've watched the previews and stuff. But as far as is it going to be like Monster Hunter World? Is it going to be more uh, like Monster Hunter Generations? Because, you know, Generations and Monster Hunter 4 before, those were the old school games, right? And there was uh, deeper crafting systems, uh, deeper armor systems, but they were also more obtuse. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't have the quality of life. Like, when we got Monster Hunter World, we got a lot of quality of life improvements. We got uh, a, a, an armor system and a skill system that was easier to navigate. You didn't have to go running to a website. To, like, with Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate... You you need you need a website next to you to 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 gear up well because it doesn't <laughs> yeah it doesn't make it very clear in the game what the upgrade trees are and and which ones in poorly and which ones in better and which ones give you poison damage down the road if you're trying to build up a weapon that does poison damage you know uh, good luck with all of that um, <laughs> yeah so but but then when Monster Hunter World came out that you know part of the you know, part of the downside was you didn't have as much variety, uh, and, and especially in the monsters and the armor, especially with the original game, Monster Hunter World, before we got Iceborne, 
it just uh, Mike and I talk about this all the time, how it just feels it felt pretty shallow in those departments compared to the older games. So I think my my predictions with Rise, you're going to get something that's in between. You're going to get more monsters than World, but maybe not as much as the older games. You're going to get more quality of life, but you're probably also going to have some deeper uh, systems that are going to require more investment from you to completely master. So uh, that's what I'm predicting. We'll, we'll we'll see. But either way, it's going to be a really fun and great experience. And when you're with friends like us, hang out with us. Or, you know, we'll help you out. Because Monster Hunter is fun, more fun. It's a fun game solo, but it's more fun when you're playing with other people. Yeah, it's very much designed to be played with others. Yeah, especially in getting over some of the, especially if you're playing the older games to get over the obtuseness. But even in, in Monster Hunter World, there's uh, there's been a couple of times where a friend of mine was playing it through. So I feel like I, I don't know what the hell the game wants from me. You know, or, hey, I'm struggling with this monster. And I'm like, well, did you did you take an adamant, you know, uh, seed? Did you bring a hardness potion so you can bump up your defense? What? Because the game doesn't tutorialize half of the basics. That those of us who are used to playing the older games, of course, we're, we're going to think it's a no-brainer. You don't go into a tough fight without the buffing potions. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, and if you ever have any more Monster Hunter questions or anything along those lines, feel free to uh, visit me. I hang out in Discord a lot. I'm happy to answer questions there. Or jump on, you know, anytime you see me jump on Twitch, uh, you know, you want to come on? I'm happy to talk Monster Hunter while I'm playing. <laughs> any day could turn into an episode of The Hunt in miniature. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll spend all, uh, what we'll do is we'll spend all Twitch session of Operencia talking about Monster Hunter, take the audio and make that a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> finally that's the future that's the future of the hunt the future the future is being tricked into doing another episode while you weren't thinking about it right oh that's sneaky that's that's the that's the trick that's how you get that's how i get anything done trick myself okay. into doing it. Do it yeah that's pretty cool i like that idea trick me <laughs> i don't have what it takes but i leave it to shaman who asked that question to work it out shaman <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there are any questions I can throw at us while we continue to juggle the balls until Wheels gets back. But I tried taunting him on Discord by saying he's missing Monster Hunter discussion. Yeah, I know. But... Yeah, yeah. Usually, that usually brings him. Oh, and then throw in there. And by the way, Phil's going on about how much um, Breath of the Wild sucks. <laughs> and oh yeah no he'll he'll come and defend breath of the wild like nobody's business uh no he'll he'll yeah he he he's the biggest he's one of the biggest fans i mean at least we both agree on hyrule warriors but um you know in a way and i hate to say this <laughs> yeah i guess i do it. he's not here i won't get into an argument but one of the things i'm looking forward to with age of calamity it's essentially got uh, like i like breath of the wild world i love the art style i'm uh, I'm intrigued by this story uh, that that it has. I, I won't go too far, just in case somebody has a play. I won't spoil it. But uh, you know, I, I, I think most people who played a little bit or looked into it, uh, you know, the premise behind Breath of the Wild and where Age of Calamity is going, in a prequel sense. And I'm curious how it gets resolved. Uh, but I like the world. I like the characters. I'm just not a big fan of the gameplay in Breath of the Wild. So Hyrule uh, Warriors: Age of Calamity. Well, guess what? You don't have in there. You don't have breaking weapons. You don't have mountains that you start climbing, you slip off because it starts to rain. You don't have incredibly insane puzzles you got to figure out. 
But you do have a really cool combat system that uses a lot of elements from Breath of the Wild, including some physics-based stuff. Like in the demo I played, you got the the Sokka, the Sheikah, Sheikah, whatever it's called, the tablet. Yeah, the Sheikah, plate, uh, Sheikah Slate. Yeah, the Sheikah Slate. And what you got the ice thing, like you do in Breath of the Wild, and you make a pillar of ice on the water. Now, usually in the game, that's usually mostly used for solving puzzles. But in this game, they turn it into combat because you'll make a big old stack of ice right in front of you when an enemy's charging at you, and he'll crash into the ice, and he'll stun him. So if yeah, you're fast I like on, that bit of the demo. Yeah, there's some there's some physics, you know, there's some of those physics kind of, you know, built into the, the combat and done a different way. But I, you know, I, I think that 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 was pretty cool. Um so, yeah, I, I, it's it, to me, this is going to have all of the high points of Breath of the Wild <laughs> and none of the things that I personally consider to be irritants. So, except for maybe some frame rate slowdown. Yeah, that, yeah. That it seemed like the demo was having difficulty keeping up with it. I've heard from people who have played more of it that basically nothing else in the game runs as poorly as the demo does. So, uh, well, that's good. So, like, that's it seems like it's just that first battle that, they, that the game kind of chokes on. Hello. Mm. Hey, it's Wheels. A uh, Wheels on. approaches. Command. So, which of the which of the things that I was sending you in Discord finally pulled you back? Uh, I did not see any of them actually. Oh man, you missed Monster Hunter discussion, and I just sent you. Phil wants you to know he is also bad mouthing Breath of the Wild. Yeah, we figured that would do it. Uh how you get them yeah yeah that that's what we were thinking how dare you <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh we just answered a question that shaman left on episode 184 about monster hunter which is why you missed a bunch of monster hunter discussion oh yeah uh, i had to bring it up because shaman also said they that they were not aware of the status of the not sure of the status of the hunt so since phil was here it oh. seems logical Yes. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if he's aware, but 2020 was kind of a year. <laughs> a lot happening. Yeah. Well, that did, yeah, that certainly that that certainly didn't help. Didn't help. That, that didn't help. That's that's been. I you know it's it's remarkable because like with you know you got two groups. I got two groups of friends. I got the ones who aren't employed, didn't have all the time in the world, uh, and then I got people like myself who somehow managed to hold on to a job. But since you know they let everybody else go people like me are working their you know what's off you to work 120 hours a week um yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but now now is the time that me and wheels have set aside we must yakuza. discuss yeah yakuza like a dragon yeah but uh, one last thing on that, I will say that uh, I'm sure once Monster Hunter Rise comes out, that Phil and I will probably have a discussion. I would imagine. Yeah, that that seemed to be the the conclusion that Phil had also come to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, one other thing, I'll pimp real quick. Again, our Discord channel we mentioned it a couple of times. I always keep mentioning it. But if you come over to our Discord, go rpgamer.com, click on community, go to Discord, join us over there. We actually have a channel set up for Monster Hunter. We do, yes. So if you jump in there and you're like, hey, I'm going to be on tonight and I want to play something, you might either from us or for somebody else who's in the channel, you might get some some people to join in with you yeah. and, and stuff. And I've got Monster Hunter World on both PS4 and PC and Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. So I can play... Anything that's come out in and the I last have few world years. on Xbox as well. If anyone is desperate for people to play it on Xbox, the Xbox, there you go. 
options. Yeah, a lot of options. Yeah, a lot of options. And we also will play Monster Hunter until the day he dies. So, <laughs> not hard to to rope him into that. But uh, and you know, like I said, I'm probably going to pick up Rise, and I'm going to try to finally get into the series one with that game us, because the trailers were very compelling to me so i think i think uh uh mike you also at some point before your wii u dies uh you need to hook that back up to the capture card and just do some videos three ultimate yeah well yeah him and i did like a three ultimate play like last year and it was fabulous of course i'm like a noob there but but he was all glowing yeah he's got all the trinkets and the armor uh, when he walked out of the cabin, it just, you heard the angels descend from on high. Oh, you know, I mean, it was just, it, the sparkles coming off of him was just surreal. But, uh, and then we went and, and fought a monster. He sneezed and it died. It was a monster that killed me like three times earlier. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, but, uh, but I think we should, we should definitely get that recorded and memorialized because if your wee dies for some reason. That would stink. At least you'd have those memories on tape, you know, so to speak. <laughs> we say on tape back in the days, but you'd have your your memories. Have tape. it on Betamax. You'd have it on Betamax, yeah. Oh man, this is a total sidetrack. But now I'm just thinking about uh, one of the most daffy uh, like camcorders ever released, which was a. Betamax camcorder that could not actually play back Betamax tapes. Uh, what? How? 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 What? <laughs> it. Uh, but. But. <laughs> yeah. No. It could not actually play them back. It could record them. It could not play them back. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, um, that seems stupid. It's a profoundly complicated mechanism. It's very impressive that they made it work. They never should have bothered. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, so do we want to briefly sell this audience on Yakuza Like a Dragon? Yes, absolutely. And maybe sell Phil on it too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh uh, you don't sell me. I'll play it 10 years from now. <laughs> Yuck. Yakuza like a dragon, or as you need it's to very... play like some of the other Yakuza's first. I haven't played like you know. I no, just don't get around. Kind of don't need to. This is like a I don't want to call it a reboot, but it's it's a soft reboot yeah. in the sense of like new protagonist. Like one of the things I've noticed while playing it is that even though it's technically dealing with the same Yakuza clans as before, the they do not like none of the ones that are referenced by names are ones that were referenced by name in the old games. Mm. So like Yakuza, like the Yakuza clans are sort of split into like families and your protagonist starts out as a grunt under a group called the Arakawa family. And if you're a Yakuza fan, you'll notice I've never heard of that name. And the answer is that's because they've never been mentioned before. Mm. (laughs) So, it's uh, it's kind of one of those you can come in blind, and there's not really much to know. Uh, and this this is a really good one to start with because it's the first one to be dubbed. Well, since the the original, the horrendous dub of Yakuza One. They they tried their best. It was a low budget dub. It didn't. Uh, the translation's kind of lacking. But yeah, it's the first mainline one to be dubbed. Uh, the they started dubbing again when they made the Fist of the North Star spinoff. And the other, like, 
spin-off game judgment also had a dub it's the first yakuza game in the main series to be dubbed uh but let's that's hardly the beginning of what makes this such a different game from all the other games right uh yakuza like a dragon uh as as a joke essentially made within the game more like yakuza like a dragon quest yeah this game's dragon quest uh I just finally got the job system open in ga- in chapter five. Uh, I don't think Wales has gotten there quite yet. Almost there. Okay. I believe uh, I'm at the end of chapter four because I'm about to go into a Yakuza headquarters. Yeah, yeah, that's the last part of chapter four. Okay. Uh, and then you progress a little into chapter five and they finally open up the job system, which one of the things I've appreciated is that when you get a job, you actually can choose what outfit your character is, like, what job-related outfits going your character's going to wear there. And, like, one of some of them are just uh, palette swaps of each other, but they can have multiple job outfits, which is kind of nice. You can pick which one you like the most. And, of course, uh, if you got the Day 1 edition, you get a bunch of ridiculous outfits, <laughs> uh, especially for our protagonist, Kasuga Ichiban. One of his outfits is a set of, like, full plate mail armor to look like a Dragon Quest hero. That's pretty awesome. So that's what I've had him wearing ever since. Uh, But, yeah, a bunch of the other characters have uh, suits to make them look more like characters from prior Yakuza games. Uh, But, yeah. um, I just opened that up. That system seems pretty cool, like... Uh, it seems much more like a Dragon Quest-style job system than a Final Fantasy-style one. Like, when you... Uh, certain skills you get, you get to keep. Green uh, Skills that are in green are skills that your character is just going to have regardless of what job they're in. But skills that are in red are specific to the job they're currently in. So it's kind of like a... You'll, the more you use a job, the more of its abilities you'll get to keep, but, like, not all of them. You'll never get to keep mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, but yeah, um, it's just, it's just got a great style and mood to it. Uh, if you're a fan of any of the bad, terrible puns in the modern Dragon Quest, like enemy names, oh boy, get ready. Yeah. Uh, I think some of my favorites I've seen is I've fought uh just random like businessman businessmen but they're called capitalist punishers which <laughs> incredible uh i should pull up the the in-game <laughs> totally not a pokedex to pull up some of these because uh, the there's Su- really sujimon yes the suji decks <laughs> gotta dispatch them all yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Uh, the game's ridiculous and loves to be ridiculous. Uh, Drink Links? Oh, Drink Links, yes. It has fake S-Links from Persona, except they really are just S-Links, but they're called Drink Links. That's great. Okay, I'm turning on my system so that I can actually pull up some of the ones that I've seen, because there's a lot of really good, dumb enemy names Uh and enemy types. Uh, but but overall, like, it, it just... 
the writing is really strong. The characters are really endearing. And the combat is a very good uh, implementation of a simple turn-based system with some Paper Mario elements, basically. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And also, for those of us in our late 30s and beyond, it's nice to have a a whole party of older characters. I think the very youngest character I've seen is in her late 30s. Yeah. Uh, protagonist is 42. Second character you get is 41. And oldest character I have so far is 59. Let's see. Burnout Bully, Capitalist Punisher... Oh, Dot Combatant. <laughs> Big fan of Dot Combatant. Nice. Uh, Beer Zerker. Uh, let's see... Biting Barker. Steamed Punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Call down some of these others. Let's see. Demolitioneer. Pro Pickpocket. Break and Entry Man. Uh, let's see. Pressured Cooker. Uh, this deeply unsettling sounding one, Mystery Meatsmith. Huh. Shruggler. Slasher, Paralyticist. There's... Oh, man. It's Dine and Dash. Hit Journeyman. <laughs> I don't think I ever noticed that one when I beat that guy. His class is Hit Journeyman. Nice. Urban Ranger, uh, Stern Stranger, Big Dog, Technomancer, uh, Black Hat Wizard, uh, Pimp Master, Roguish Recruiter, Bomb Bug, Escapist, Unboxer, <laughs> uh, Head Guardian, uh, Pocketing Watchman. God. There's there's so many of these. Like oh th this awful awful creature. Uh there is a type of enemy that's just walking around like looking like he's just dripping oil and he's wearing he's got like a pool toy with him and his his class is city slicker. <laughs> just hellish. <laughs> Absolutely hellish. Uh eccentricster uh, Bob Cutter, Fashion Police, Pseudo Trash, Ramblin' Man. <laughs> yeah, like, all of these are incredible. Like, all of the names uh, involved in here, like, they've got that sort of Dragon Quest flair. The, the entire game is... Uh, so, one of the things I was observing as I played was that a lot of games have homage Dragon Quest or parody Dragon Quest. Uh, they will take the look or like a design and sort of call back, call to that as like their homage to Dragon Quest. And Yakuza is doing an homage to Dragon Quest by uh, like mechanically, of course, but it can't look like Dragon Quest. So it has to have the feel of Dragon Quest. It has a similar like writing sensibility, I guess is how I would put it. And I think that's 
if you are a Dragon Quest fan, I think that it's one of the best things you can get this year. Mm. Like, an absolutely excellent writing. Uh, fun combat, one of my favorite discussions I've ever seen in a video game is the bit right at the beginning where it's explaining why the game has Dragon Quest style combat and like a friend of Ichiban's walks up to him and is like, why are you like some kind of masochist? Why do you keep just punching dudes and then letting them come back and punch you? And he's like, no, I'm a hero. I'm like Dragon Quest. Like in Dragon Quest, you do an attack and then you let your opponent have the chance to fight back. And like, you know, that's how heroes work. So I do this like Dragon Quest. And that ends up being his explanation for a lot of his very strange eccentricities. Like, no, it's like Dragon Quest. Uh, it's incredibly charming. There is a bit early on where he uh, finds a baseball bat uh, stuck in the ground and is thoroughly convinced that it's like a legendary sword and that only a hero can wield it. So he pulls it out and it becomes his weapon. And when he pulls it out, his class changes from, like, Ex-Yakuza to Hero. And he gets abilities that are like a Dragon Quest hero. He gets strong, uh, wide-ranging attacks. He gets uh, healing moves. Like, when they call him a hero and call out the Dragon Quest, he functions like a Dragon Quest hero. And that's, I don't know, that's, that's cute. That's a more interesting homage to Dragon Quest than most games would do. Big fan. Uh, I, I assume you've been enjoying as well. <laughs> I absolutely love it, and uh, I really like like the the uh, Mario and Luigi style touches to combat. Um, yeah, not that I, I, I don't want to say like I feel like Dragon Quest combat is boring or anything, but I, it, you kind of set it off and it goes. Yeah, it, it and it feels really appropriate here for like. Uh, making like a turn-based version of like brawling combat it just works especially like the the timing blocks which is a pretty generous timing yes it does feel good like none of the in in case anyone gets concerned none of the timings in this game are actually terribly strict yeah uh but yeah uh it's one thing that i was thinking of uh as a longtime yakuza fan is uh, in the in most Yakuza games, including most of the spinoffs, you have uh, wandered through Kamurocho, which is a fictionalized version of I think it's Kabukicho. It's a district of uh, it's a it's a district in Tokyo. It's basically a red light district. Uh, you know, someplace very heavily associated with organized crime. Uh, that is a map that was designed for the PS2. Mm-hmm. And it shows it's a very simple map. Uh, and in general, they've tried to make maps that are at least reminiscent of its type in every subsequent game. We have never seen a map that function that is functionally ter- terribly different than Kamurocho. Uh, and that's, that's good. One of the things that's kind of fun about Yakuza is that every game has at least some of its action set in Kamurocho, and they keep finding new places for that action to take place. And so you'll get parts of the map that 
you'll always end up going to parts of the map that you've basically never been before because before they were a faceless shop you couldn't go into, but now there's like something there and you can do things in it. And I think that that's been very interesting to see how Kamurocho changes over the course of many games. Uh, and that still seems to be the case in Yakuza 7, but that is not most of where the game takes place. Most of the game takes place in Yokohama. And it's a much bigger map than any of them. It's still not huge by open world standards. It's still a very, it's a map you can learn all of and remember and keep all of it in your working memory. But it is still like probably at least three or four times the size of Kamurocho. And it gives a very different vibe just by virtue of its size. And it's slightly more suburban, I guess. It's not really suburban, but like it is more it is less something that you would look at and be like yeah that's where organized crime happens <laughs> uh big fan of the map design uh i had a really good time uh the first time that the game went to night just walking around the uh nighttime yokohama because like one of the things that yakuza's area design does so well is this really uh it's very atmospheric because it's such a confined space uh, they can focus in on details, and so there's a lot of atmosphere in every Yakuza game's depiction of both uh, Kamurocho and wherever else that you go. So, like, uh, you could see, if you were a longtime fan when you played Yakuza 0, you could see, oh, this is like a, a Kamurocho where everyone has too much money and somehow it's even filthier. <laughs> Just disgusting everywhere. Uh, and like that, that could be communicated to you just by how all the shops you have seen so many times before look. And I think that that's really cool. And I think that that's something a lot of games can't actually do with their open worlds because one, they don't stay in the same place. And two, they're like any given, like open world is too big. You can't keep it in your memory, what it looked like. Right. But yeah, just just big fan. Very impressed uh, with the area design of Kamurocho and Yokohama. I did an incredibly good sub story last night, where uh, I had to go find a crawfish that Ichiban had thrown into the river because he thought that the crawfish needed to be thrown into the river because it's a crawfish. And then like a guy comes up and is like, no, you can't steal that. That's that, like, that was my Nancy. What have you done to her? <laughs> so you have to go and look for, her, and I won't spoil the rest of the quest, but the bonus that you get for completing the quest is that you can summon the crawfish into battle. <laughs> it, for whatever reason gets registered as a, uh, there, there is a service in the game. <laughs> Uh, called Pound Mates. Yeah, don't talk about this uh, service out of context or people will give you strange looks. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> and that's the joke the game makes, too. Yes, immediately. But, uh, yeah, like, it's just like the protagonists see the name Pound Mates and they're like, what? Excuse me? What is this? <laughs> but you get a ser access to a service called Pound Mates and that's like, that's how you summon, uh, summon like people to help you you can uh it you know you can't summon monsters or whatever you summon people from pound mates and they come in and punch things for you one of them is a one of them is a crawfish uh other things that you you can find like other yakuza like ex-mma people a yakuza some, and a diaper 
I was not going to spoil that, but yes, there's a Yakuza diaper. That... Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry I spoiled that because that whole sequence was hilarious. Yeah. Like, I, I for me, it, it just, like, it's a callback to Yakuza 2. Uh, that character first showed up in that video oh, game. Wow. And uh, one of the things that has always. Uh, one experience that I had while playing Yakuza 2 that is essentially unreplicable at this stage because too many people know about Yakuza and have talked about some of its strangest bits was playing Yakuza 2 when it was new, at least new in English, and then stumbling into that substory <laughs> and having no idea what I had wandered into because, like, the, the game holds that revelation that it's like, oh, it's a Yakuza in a diaper. For most of that substory, it's not until, like, you get into a fight, and then, like, the boss Yakuza comes in, and he's dressed in a suit, and he's like, oh, man, what, what have my underlings done this time? Come on, we're gonna go to a bar, and we're gonna, ha like, we'll hash this out. I'm so sorry that they did this. And then, like, you get, you get like, a black screen. Your character has apparently been blindfolded at some stage. And, like, they're just, you're, you're talking to, uh, like, a lady starts talking, and she sort of starts talking like a sort of a hostess club sort of thing. But then she starts talking about, like, getting you a bottle and your character's like, what the hell is happening? Mm -hmm. Pulls off the pulls off the blindfold and, like, all of the Uggs are in diapers and you have to beat all of them up. Oh, and then God. the conclusion of the sub-story is basically like, dude, I don't care what you're into, but you can't force me to do this and you can't trick me into doing it. <laughs> yeah, because that is an experience. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's an unreplicable experience. Uh, at this stage, because I think that scene in particular is too infamous. It was one of the... It's like the chicken in Yakuza 0. It's one of those gifts that gets passed around without any context for what it was what it was about. Uh, I assume you did the uh, theater minigame? Yes, yes. That, that, that minigame is incredible. Yes. You have to... <laughs> Yeah, you get invited to watch a classic movie. For some reason, it is a combination of, like, RoboCop and Iron Chef. And uh, your character is trying desperately not to fall asleep in it. Uh, it has one of the best bits of tutorial text I've ever seen, uh, which is uh, movies reach a point where they become boring. Like, it's just, you know, the, all movies, all movies will eventually do this to you. <laughs> it will become boring. But yeah, uh, that's 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 a fun mini game. You have to like chase off sleep demons trying to put you to sleep <laughs> in like a whack a mole mini game. It's pretty funny. Uh, the game the game is just full of that kind of nonsense. But uh, even has kart racing. It does. It does. Uh, and the ones running it sort of look like the first boss of Golden Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what's going on there. Uh, it has a bunch of classic Sega arcade games. Those are fun. Those are always fun. Uh, see, there's some other... There's, like, just a lot. Uh, I, I unlocked the crafting system, which that's been, that's been fun. Like, there's a lot to that. I am just about to open up. There is a business management uh, system where you have to, like, try to... Uh, take a, like, I think it's like a candy company, something like that, from, like, worst in town to number one. And, like, there's entire, like, mini games built around, like, going to a shareholder meeting and apologizing. <laughs> uh, 
there is an early mini game you have to do that you can continue to do uh, that is uh, collecting cans to recycle via rickshaw. It's like there is there is madness around every corner, uh, but the entire thing just has a lot of heart. It's really just fantastic from start to finish. I. Uh, one thing that I I wasn't sure how I'd respond to because like I I like a lot I like when games shake things up but I did not know what kind of protagonist the new protagonist Kasuga Ishiban would end up being. He's great. He's fantastic. Uh, he's a complete moron, <laughs> but uh, a very charming moron. Uh, nice. uh, I just, uh, the entire party thus far has actually been really good. Uh, You've got your uh, this character essentially takes up the wizard class Namba. Uh, he can summon like pigeons and such. Uh, he can breathe fire, that sort of thing. Uh, you've got uh, your uh, old detective who got fired right before retirement and therefore has to get a job because he has been cut off from his pension. Uh, Adachi. Just uh, they're they're a good they they play off of each other very well with uh, Kasuga taking on the heroic optimistic role. You've got Namba as the slightly confused straight man, and you've got Adachi as like the grizzled old detective. They're great. Uh, I just got my first uh, my first uh, female party member, Sayako, who is a, a very sort of world weary character, and I've enjoyed her addition to the party as well just just a great dynamic uh oh man i just i cannot uh, i can't stop raving about it it's it's a fantastic game i yeah. recommend it to anyone who likes uh turn-based rpgs of any stripe but especially dragon quest fans yeah because it has a lot of that same heart it's it's great and i can't wait to get uh can't wait to get the fourth party member because right now I'm s i still just have the three yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll get her in chapter five. Excellent. So. Yeah. No, it's, uh, a, it's a great game. And if you think the story is also, you know, it's, it's pretty serious. There's a lot serious. It just knows that it can be. It just knows that it can be silly. Right. And, and yeah. I really like, and really that's kind of a thing that Dragon Quest did well too. So. Yeah. Not that, like, that, not that that's necessarily part of uh, the references. Yeah, like that's that's something Yakuza has always done well. But like this one, you can you can notice the parallels more when it's making all these homages to Dragon Quest. Like it'll like one thing that I think a lot of Western game writing often shies away from is comedic contrast and comedic relief. Uh, there is often a writing style that considers that anything, any comedy that cuts in, that cuts near the drama is inherently going to deflate the capacity to be dramatic. But I think that one thing that some things like Yakuza and Dragon Quest do well is that, no, you can have, if you're careful about where you put it, you can absolutely have like drama and comedy intersect in ways that enhances both of them. Mm. 
And I think that, yeah, because a lot of dragons are really good at that. Because, uh, like, you'll get all of these absurd sub-stories that kind of give you a breather from, like, the often much more serious uh, main plot, which is, uh, again, much less... Uh, one thing that I noticed as I was... Uh, I'm contrasting it with Yakuza Kiwami, which I played, like, a year and a half ago. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of Yakuza 1 and has basically the same plot is immediately thrusting you into uh, all of these different uh, Yakuza families and, like, how they uh, interact and, how like, the internal politics of the Yakuza. And Yakuza Like a Dragon is not that. It is your character starts out working for the most small-time Yakuza imaginable and doesn't actually know the inner workings of the clan, and that's not what the story's about. Like, it's a much easier to get into first plot than the original Yakuza, in that sense. Because, like, it's much more character-driven uh, and much less uh, internal politics-driven. Which is as much reflective of how the Yakuza writers have sort of evolved the franchise in the past few uh, decades at this stage. Oh, Jesus Lord. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I think that you know, it's it's a really, uh, like, I, I would recommend that anyone who's, like, concerned at this stage about, well, can I play this? Because it's, you know, it's technically Yakuza 7. Uh, and I think that those, those are not concerns that should hold you back because this game is very much capable of being a completely fresh start for new players. You don't even spend much time in the old haunts. Uh, I was able to find basically uh, like the first few chapters are in Kamurocho, but then after that, it's just Yokohama, Yokohama, Yokohama. Uh, <laughs> I was able to find the, uh, I was able to find what I expected to be in Kamurocho, but there was no reason to go there. Like I went up to the batting cages, uh, that are traditionally in the upper left half of the map, but I mean, like there's nothing in the game directs you to them and they're not. It's not important that you know that, because, I mean, like, most of it's going to be in not going to be in Kamurocho anyway. So, it's a good starting place. Uh, new cast, new concerns, essentially a completely new <laughs> Yakuza clan to worry about. So, And George Takai. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I assume that I, I've been playing with the Japanese dub, which is high quality as always. And I'm sure that the English dub is high quality as well. Uh, who is Takei voicing? Um, I assumed it was Arakawa. Yes. Thought so. Yes. That's very much the kind of voice, voice acting decision that uh, they would have made in, that they would make in Japan. Like, uh, I remember Yakuza 6, the main one of the main villains is voiced by Take, uh, Takeshi Kitano, uh, aka Beat Takeshi, aka uh, famous Japanese actor director who's been in a lot of things. You might have heard of some of them, like Battle Royale. Uh, but it's that kind of celebrity casting that they would do, so it feels fitting that Takei would be Arakawa in this game. But yeah, uh, and it has like, you know, the, the plot, I, I've been going over like the fringes of the plot to try to avoid 
uh, really getting into the what's and why's, because I think the plot is really interesting and well-delivered. Uh, it has some uh, good mysteries that uh, it points out to you and then lets, you re- lets them recede into the background until it's ready to do something with them mm. in ways that I have noticed. I, I've already, like, I was talking to friends, uh, to a friend, and he was like, yeah, I'm not totally, like, certain what the what what's uh what's driving ichiban uh thus far and like i pointed out like oh it's about the there's this mystery and that mystery and that mystery and he's like oh yeah yeah i guess all of those do make sense uh, it's just one of those things where like you get caught up in the flow of the story you don't uh think too much about like what it's holding back to for a better moment so mm. yeah huge fan uh 11 thumbs up um <laughs> I stole a lot of thumbs to make that work. Uh but yeah. Uh oh man. And like th- there are things that like I hope a future game uh might improve. One thing I would bring up is that uh there's a lot of attacks that have bonuses based on like precise positioning, uh, precise p- positioning. And you don't actually have a lot of control over your position. Yeah. That's probably the biggest issue I'd point out in the combat system. And it's probably the biggest reminder that this game was not intended as a turn-based combat system when it was first designed. (laughs) Uh, But I don't think that it's a deal-breaker by any means. I think that a lot of the areas where you most need to effectively use the combat system feel very designed around this. Uh, they tend to be enclosed spaces where you can use your attacks to hit multiple enemies to their best advantage. So I think that they were on some level aware of this and therefore decided to design the dungeons to fix this, Mm. which, I mean, makes sense. But yeah. Uh, And also it has party chat, so that's fun. How do you use the party chat? Basically, like, it's, uh, when I say party chat, it's not exactly like a Dragon Quest party chat where you press a button and, like, a character will essentially remind you of what your current goal is. Okay. You will run into areas where you will see the triangle button sort of flash in the corner, and if you press triangle there, your characters will have a discussion about that area. Okay, because I I remember seeing it mentioned, but I, like, missed how it would actually activates it, so. Yeah, it's just, it's the area. Okay. Uh, and if you miss one, you can always just go back. If you get interrupted during the scene and, like, someone starts fighting you or whatever, like, you can just go back and it'll trigger any time you go near there if you haven't heard it before. Uh, there is a place you can go in the menu, I think, that allows you to replay any that you've heard as well. So, uh, But you'll run into a lot of, like, uh, stupid discussions that you can have. Uh, I, had, I saw one where... Uh, Nanba and Kasuga were having a uh, discussion about how they needed new part-time jobs and they saw that there was like uh, there was like bouncer positions at a gentleman's club and they were like thinking well you know 900 yen you know we can (laughs) uh, we can kill two birds with one stone and then Sayako is like, okay, you make money. What's the other uh, bird? And then they both get really ashamed. And she's like, I'm not an idiot. I know what the other bird is, but they're not going to hire you if they think you're going to spend all your time paying attention to that. 
<laughs> so, you know, good good party chat, high quality. Uh, game is full of uh, there. There's a good sense of camaraderie among the party, which is a very important thing. Uh, it really feels like its two biggest uh, influences as an RPG are Dragon Quest and Persona. So, drink links. Drink links. The the menu the battle menu system is very much just like yeah, Persona Five did this well. We should do this. Yeah. Uh, it's very swiftly navigable. It's a very nice system. Uh, very glad that they stole it. Um, <laughs> it ain't broke. Don't bother coming up with something on your own. Especially given that we uh, officially are the same company and can just do this. Yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, it's fantastic. I love it. I love everything about it. Uh, Everyone, please buy it. I know that I say this about most Yakuza games, but especially this one, because you don't have an excuse. It's a very good jumping on point. I think Phil is asleep. It's fine. Oh, well. Anything else? I find the mute button. (laughs) It was buried. Just listening while I'm playing some tyranny now. That's fair. I'm watching Wheels play Dark Souls, and he got rid of his big, huge beehive hat. So I feel like that's a missed opportunity, because there's no beehive now. You get that hat by murdering another player. Fun fact. Funner fact, I got mine by... Okay, so so quick thing about that hat. Um, There is a boss fight in Demon's Souls... Uh, where you are generally expected to fight another player. And you can become that player essentially by throwing down your summon sign in different parts of uh, that section, which is uh, the third world. And so I did that, actually trying to help people beat the boss of that area, but whatever, got summoned to be the boss. And... The player I was supposed to fight died before they got to the boss room, so I got a free hat. <laughs> free hat. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I yeah. just had to give a long lecture, a long impassioned lecture about the quality of Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is that's fine because I agree. I don't think that it sold Phil, but it should have. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks really cool. It looks really awesome. Uh, you know, I'm actually. Uh, a bigger fan of, of turn-based RPGs than I am of action me style that, RPGs. That does sound so, like you. <laughs> and then you add in, you know, you add in all of the tiebacks and the humor and the references and, and all that. Sounds like a, a very excellent experience. Yeah. That's been quite well, good. Comes highly recommended to anyone who's listening, so. Plus, I know that at least a few... Uh, Few of our listeners have occasionally bemoaned that we don't get many turn-based RPGs anymore. So, yeah. now's your chance to support a company that took a stab at making a non-turn-based RPG into a turn-based RPG. So, yeah, and even put it on uh, the Xbox. Yeah, it's pretty much its high-profile yes. launch title. <laughs> yeah, PS4, Xbox, PC, it's, it's on, on PC. everything. Yeah, ninety-seven yeah. percent uh, on Steam. Yeah, which is right. pretty, pretty darn high. People seem to like it, which I'm very glad for. 
Uh, oh, but don't buy the PC, boys and girls. Don't do it. Go buy the, the PlayStation or the Xbox. Because <laughs> the PC version has de novo anti-tamper. And we all uh, know how Phil feels about the Nuvo anti-tamper. So yeah, uh, why, your... why do they do this for? Well, you just punish the good people. Stop it. Well, it's, I can confirm the Xbox version is great. I only briefly played it on um, Xbox One. Because it... Uh, Think, yeah, it's, it's my, like a... Uh, Series X came in, but it seemed to work fine there. Yeah, it's a good-looking PS4 and Xbox One game, and it, on um, if you have a PS5 and or a Series X or S, it uh, it's the same great-looking game, but also runs better. So, better loading times. Oh, that's a huge. That's that's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I know that the the Xbox Series X version runs at 60 FPS. Uh, it's kind of nice. Like, it's not that important for a turn-based RPG, but it's nice. It helps. And uh, PS5 version, I don't know what it's doing right now. It's, like, there won't be a official this-is-the-PS5 version for another few months, but, I mean, the PS4 version runs great on that, so... Are they giving those users a free upgrade? Yes, but I don't believe data is compatible, so that's the other thing. Ooh. At least they haven't announced that it is. They might change their mind on that. I would hope they do, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's wonderful, and I wouldn't tell anyone to wait on it. Uh, it's yeah. Do we want to? We I was looking at the questions on episode one eighty four that I thought we might try to hit before. Uh, before that episode ends up getting buried in our memory since <laughs> that was a few episodes ago. Uh, hit the one from Shaman. Uh, so, Crawl has one. That's a fairly interesting one. What games did you bounce off of or struggle heavily with as a child that you came to appreciate and have gone back to beat as you've grown older? That is a good question. Yeah. Um... I'm usually much faster to reevaluate things, so there's not a lot of games from my childhood that I haven't reevaluated at some stage. Uh, I mean, I think I've had a few of the reverse, like um, I was really games you loved that you came back to and were like, "Oh, this is garbage." Loved or were really intrigued by like Kid Icarus, like, and then you play it, and it's like, "Oh, maybe, maybe I." Don't like this. Yeah, I like remember being excited to go back and re revisit that, and then it was like, "Wow, this game sucks." <laughs> like, has really age hard. Has age it is really hard for some reason. And, and it sucks really hard. It's not good. Uh, this is one that I I've never learned to like it, but I've grown to respect it more, and I'm thinking about it since I'm watching Wheels of Demon Soul stream. But uh, Kingsfield. I played when it was relatively new and hated. Um, and uh, like, I still don't love it, but I respect, I, I kind of like what it's trying to do. And I respect the way that it works within the limitations of the hardware it was built for. So that, that would probably be my best answer. Uh, I I would kind of say Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8. Not that I never, like, hated them or 
But you didn't love them. Right. I didn't love them as much as I loved 6, but I've really come around on that. Uh, especially after playing 7 Remake. But even before that, I kind of... I, pl- I played a lot of them through before 13 came out because I uh, was just doing this whole thing of beating all the Final Fantasies I hadn't beaten except 11 because I don't care about 11. It sucks. Sorry. Also, I mean, it wouldn't really be feasible to begin with. Yeah, no. What can I do for you? 10 2 is good. Goddamn mind Wheels flares. You. Fucking mind flares. <laughs> Okay, well, Wheels is having a breakdown, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, can you say? hear me? Uh, yes. yes, we can. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII is a strange game, that I, but I yes, I did finally come around to appreciate that um, it's not terrible. It's just I better weird. appreciate what it's doing. I'm still not super sure how you're supposed to play it. <laughs> yeah. It's... That's my biggest issue I still have with it. <laughs> it's a weird object. It was a unique experiment. I respect what it was attempting. But, yeah, I can, like, my biggest issue with... My biggest lingering issue with 8 is that I just can't find a good way to get magic that doesn't involve doing something tedious. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no way around it. It's just tedious. Yeah, like that... Like I feel like if you were to remake... If you wanted to do, like, a nip and tuck to fix FF8, like... Just make it so you can buy spells. Yeah. And increase their power as you go through the game, because the spells are your equipment. Yep. Stop trying to make sense. But one thing one thing that I thought about uh, about a week ago while I was contemplating this was how much easier would people have had it understanding FF8 if instead of saying junction, they just said equip. <laughs> I feel like probably it would have it probably would have fixed a lot of issues people had with that game. Or just throw in the conjunction junction what's your function song. Yeah, I don't think anyone was going to do that at that time, but it's a nice thought. So, I've been I've been playing games for decades. I can't I can't really think of a great example where there was a game in my childhood that later on I played as an adult and I went back and appreciate. I think just like you guys I have gone back to some of those games that I couldn't afford or I was frustrated with. And as an adult, it turns out I'd be even more frustrated with them. <laughs> so I have less patience. I don't have infinite childhood patience anymore. I don't have infinite time like I did in my childhood. Now, what I've had happen is within a certain segment of my life, uh, you know, a few years later, I might have gone back and had a different perspective. Yeah, so that direct- happens to me a lot. Where yeah. I'll give a game a try like two or three years later. Yeah, Dragon Quest Four. I actually, you know, played that as a, you know, I was at a summer break. My mother had given to me for a birthday or something. I played through it and I didn't, didn't care for it because it just, it felt so, it felt way too simplistic compared to computer RPGs. Mm-hmm. But then in another summer, I had more time to kill. I went back and said, you know, I'm going to stick through with this. And I beat it. Uh, and I, I felt like, you know, I it was a, a sense of accomplishment. You got the full story. And I had a better appreciation for that Japanese style RPG experience and how that contrasted and what it brought to the table versus the computer counterpart. So definitely it was more simple. It was more simplistic, which I don't much care for. The battles lack any sort of real tactic or strategy, but uh, but it told a better story than what I would get in a typical 
uh, you know, wizardry or whatever. Can't believe then, you'd say this about King's Bounty. <laughs> what's that? What about Can't King's believe you'd say this about King's Bounty. What, what, what about King's I'm, Bounty? I'm just making a joke about, like, it having a bad story. Oh. That's it. That's the entire joke. Right. I just like making callbacks. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, I feel like that's it's, it's show title right there. You just nailed it. The um, And then final, uh, much later, but I was already definitely <laughs> i was well past uh you know adulthood at this time uh i played uh uh final fantasy 9 final oh. fantasy 9 i struggled with it because it's so darn freaking slow the it's battle slow and everything slow to start yeah and it's slow to start so i think on my first run i gave it maybe 10 hours tops and got bored put it on the shelf a couple of years later tried it again told myself to be more patient, forced myself to be more patient, got all the way to the end. The boss killed me, pissed oh, no. me off. The final boss did. I tried him a couple of times, couldn't figure it out. Obviously I need to do some more grinding or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't want to go back and load up a save file from 10 hours ago. If I even had one, if I rotated my saves, I don't remember, but, but I just remember I was done with it. And so I put it back on the shelf. A few years later, uh, I had obtained a PSP and got it off the, 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 the store and on a PSP, it's, uh, you know, having it on the go. and It doesn't bother you as much that it's slow. Exactly. You can just put it aside at any point. Took the time to grind up, took the time to make sure I had the best skills. And when I got to the boss, I creamed him easy. It wasn't hardly a struggle at all. I think I had life two or three at that point even, but I uh, didn't need it. It was just, it was a cakewalk. And I really enjoyed the ending. And I was really, really glad that I did. And now Final Fantasy IX is one of my, you know, favorite Final Fantasies. Good choice. Great game. Uh, yeah it's a final fantasy 9 appreciation station but uh best ps1 uh final fantasy ff7 belongs to my heart but i can understand the argument um but yeah uh trying to think of anything where it's like where it's been that long that i failed to revisit something and it's like it's also partly just that, like, I couldn't play a lot of games when I was that when I was like at, for it to have been the right amount of time at this stage. Because it's just like as a kid, I had, you know, whatever games I could get hold of. And that typically wasn't, you know, a lot of them were either obviously really fun or obviously complete trash. I don't think that. I'm ever going to go back and decide, you know what? I was too harsh on Daffy Duck, the Marvin missions. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. But, uh, I mean, the reality is some of those games, just a lot of those games really haven't held up and haven't aged well. Or uh, were bad to begin with Daffy Duck, yeah. the Marvin missions. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I'm a retro gamer. I, I love to play old games. Everyone knows, but when you go that far back, especially to our childhoods, and you're going back to like the NES and the Super Nintendo area. The the reality is outside of some classics like Super Mario World, maybe and and Zelda. Um, for the most part, you when you look at the uh, we have games today that are a lot of them indie, but a lot of retro style games that have captured the magic of of what a lot of those older games did but have a lot of quality of life improvements <laughs> that and make like them I, a lot less frustrating to play. And so I, 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 you know, that's why uh, I tend to also favor a lot of the indie games 
uh, like the uh, what's it called? Um, oh, it's escaped my mind. But there's an indie game out there. It's a roguelike. And it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm gonna look it up real quick. But it it, it has a battle system from Grandia. I haven't played Grandia in years. It's a really it's a pretty old game. And to go, yeah, at least they have the HD remasters now, so you can go back and play a Star Renegades. But they've done a, they they've got the same battle system, which was my favorite part of Grandia, uh, and and they polished it. They've actually enhanced it and made it better, and then modernized it by putting it in a roguelike, you know, wrapping with champ with the championships uh, champion system that you get from Shadows of Mordor or whatever it's called. That that whole nemesis system thing. Yeah, the whole nemesis system. Thank you. Uh, so you got a lot of indies out there that are captured. You got lots of Metrovanias. You know, I, I for a while I, I I had when I first came to the site 10, 12 years ago, I reviewed Order of Ecclesia, Castlevania Order of Ecclesia for the site. Um, and and it's a after game. yeah, and after that little batch of DS Metrovania games, we didn't get a Metrovania game for for a long time. It seems like uh, you know Castlevania, you hardly hear about it anymore. It did a couple of actiony games, and then it's been gone. Metroid, what, what was the last? I mean, there was one on the 3DS, I think. But 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 Listen, Nintendo. If you want a, New Castlevania, you play Bloodstained. That's just how but, it goes. But, yeah, now you have these indie games, and now you got some really good. Whether it's whether it's Bloodstained, but you got a whole you got a whole host. You got an army of like good indie versions of that as yeah, well. Yeah, that capture a lot, uh, uh, you know, of, of the magic. Now, don't get me wrong. So if you want to go back and play Super Metroid, it still actually holds up pretty well. It's pretty fun. But but yeah, the, the, there's a lot of games that actually do a lot of those elements better, and arguably some of those complete packages are 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 better. And if nothing else, even if they're just close, they're in higher resolution I mean, and they work good. on modern systems. Yeah. So it is definitely tougher for me nowadays to go back and say, hey, let me just so, you know, it's really funny on the uh, switch. We've mm. got if you pay for your family plan or whatever have you, you got the NES and the SNES uh, collections that they have on there where they. Those are those are bizarre because a lot of them are like the best games, and then sometimes you'll get things that are like here's uh, here's Brawl Brothers. Yeah, here's Brawl Brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but what's funny is I really never I I I don't feel drawn to even go back and play the good ones that are on those lists when I can go and play, you know, some of these indie games that do a lot of those elements just as well uh, and better in some respects. So I, yeah, I just I don't go that far back too often. I'm still a big fan of going that far back, but admittedly, a lot of the things that I prize when I'm doing that are like looking at the design ideas that have gone out of style and that the revivals will often rightly not bring back because they don't make sense or they kind of were always bad ideas, but that I find very fascinating as like a history of how people design games. One of my uh, favorite things is just like seeing uh, like when I played like old PS1 games, there's a certain there are certain things about them that's like, oh, no one's done this since 1999 because people found it profoundly tedious and they hated it. But it's really fascinating to see it now because it's like, what is this? Like, oh, man, I forgot that this was a design trend that was inescapable for a period like uh, one, one that's one of my go to's that's like very. If you played games at that time, you remember this. 3D games were just full of these box push pushing puzzles, just constant. Ugh. And the when you when you have like years of hindsight, even if you weren't a de like developers would have been able to tell you this at the time, but like if you have years of hindsight and you're just observing them, you realize they're full of box pushing pushing puzzles because these systems don't have a lot of like 
computational power and making a box is relatively easy. And like a box pushing puzzle is very deterministic. There are only so many places the box can go. So like there's all sorts of reasons why at the time it made perfect sense to have all these damn games have box pushing puzzles. Uh, yeah, yeah but, that was a big thing. Uh, but like, you know, you haven't seen a game with more than one box pushing puzzle in 20 years. And so now instead of being irritating, I just find it charming in the sense of like, oh, no one would ever make this again for good mm -hmm. reason. They shouldn't. But it's very charming when I see it now. <laughs> And I can't recommend any game on that basis by virtue of the fact that it's a very personal feeling of like, no, like thinking about like, yeah, this is, this is how all the games I used to play worked. This is just how they all functioned. Uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, sorry, I just needed to take a moment to talk about one of the unsung aspects of playing weird old video games and then sometimes you'll run into a weird old video game and you'll be like this is garbage and i don't know what they were thinking even at the time mm. uh yeah don't or... get me wrong and there's definitely there uh, you know uh, i'm a big advocate for 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 wizardry 8 i mean that game's oh that's a wild be, game yeah it's gotta be two decades old but you know what blew my mind is wizardry you know wizardry is a long-running uh first person perspective uh grid base uh, dungeon rpg series uh, and went up, you know, through seven and got deeper and, and arguably better with each iteration. Then, then you had eight and it was, it was the, it was the last thing that the developer had, had made before they uh, sold out or went out of business or whatever have you. Yeah, but, I think Sartek just went out of business. Yeah, they went out of business, but the game was so revolutionary in, you know, the, up to that point, DRPGs had been, you know, hadn't really broken out of the mold too much. And, and this game gave you full 360 motion uh, with a party, with a party. I mean, people had done that like in single with a single player character before, but this was a whole party and the combat was really good. Your characters were set up in quadrants with another section in the middle. So you put your wizard in the middle and you could put other uh, of your characters on the forward, the back and both sides, you know, the left and the right so that you could protect your sides. And that was important depending on where the enemies were positioned as they approached you. And you'd have to look around first person perspective or look at the mini radar to kind of get an idea where they were at. And it made the combat, you know, when you're going from wizardry six and seven, you go to eight, it, it's the essence of what those combats are, but it's taken up to a whole new level. It adds a new wrinkle strategy while keeping it at the core. That is, you know, your wizardry or any basic, you know, DRPG combat system. And it was just so well done. And that's on top of the really well-written story and all those other elements. Also, a really great and deep party-based uh, system interactions and things like that. And and it was just so well done. It got really great reviews. Uh, people who played it loved it. It's one of the few games I've beaten. Uh, and that's a really long game to beat. <laughs> but, but you know, th th there hasn't been really anything that really has emulated that. We have a lot of modern-day DRPGs. We were talking about Operencia earlier and stuff. And they tend to go back and emulate the the older ones. And, and Yeah, like Wizardry them. 4. No, yes. not 4, but Wizardry 5 or so. <laughs> yeah, but no one's really, really emulated 8. Uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 3. I install that on every computer I have, and that game's 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> Heroes of Might Magic 2 and 3. Because... We've had we have a number of Heroes of Might and Magic uh, clones out there, but they don't do it as well. 
and, and they're missing a few of the elements that you know that really works in those series. So yeah, I'm with you. There's there's definitely some some gems and some things to see back there. That one's also kind of tragic because it's one of those situations where like a company that was dying through a hail mary and like succeeded like made an incredible like reinvention of the franchise but it was too late like there and like that's probably part of why it hasn't really been emulated is just that like wizardry 8 is a 2001 game and people weren't playing wizardry in 2001 at least no one in the west was and people in japan who were playing it were playing japanese made wizardry games which are based more on those older games mm-hmm. so like a game that is doing something incredible and innovative that no one else has even done since is still like a weird evolutionary dead end, despite the fact that it was doing things that are worth emulating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's, that's one of the joys of playing. Like when you do go through old games is like, you, you really have to look at, th- if you really want to get into a lot of these, like, games that don't have a big name and, like, certified sort of classic status, you kind of have to look at them with a historical eye of, like, in context of when they were made and what they were trying to do. And, like, you'll run into games that are, you know, very idiosyncratic in a way that can be very pleasing but you know you really have to know what you're getting in for and oftentimes if you just want a design style that's gone out of style there's probably an indie game that will suit you better mm-hmm. yeah so uh let's hit this last question on 184 and then should probably go to finish ourselves uh, we've got a last question from staff member Strawberry Eggs. Yay. Uh, we've been seeing many worldwide simultaneous releases of Japanese RPGs and other video games for a few years now. I can understand major companies like Nintendo and Square Enix being able to pull off this feat. But will this become standard through the industry? How much do you know about the logistics of releasing, say, a Pokemon game at the same time worldwide? Can't say I'm an expert. Uh, none of us has ever worked on in video game localization, so this is mostly going to be based on observation. You can't do this unless your Japanese and American arms are basically the same company, yeah. or at least close enough that they might as well be. Uh, you Because, like, to be able to do that, you need to be able to have access to the script long before it's finished. Uh, you need to be able to make requests about changes so that your localization job will be easier. Mm-hmm. There's just all sorts of things that go into this that means that the only companies that can feasibly do this are companies that the Japanese arm manages its own Western branch and trusts its Western branch. And I think that that's only going to be companies that are big. Uh, And like, you'll even see this not consistently happening with companies that can do that. Like Sega, they can do that. They don't because a lot of times to them, it makes more sense to like, well, we want the Japanese version out faster because that's where we expect sales to go to go best and like that might change over time i would suspect that uh smt and yakuza games are going to start seeing their localization lead time shrink uh because those franchises are doing very well overseas and you've seen that even like not necessarily worldwide but uh yakuza did much better in east asia uh for a while there I'm, i'm sure that it's still doing quite well there but like i mean the uh, Western sales have 
sort of caught up in terms of these these do well here now but for a while it was like chinese and south korean localizations were either at the same time or very shortly after the japanese versions very quick and uh that's you know it becomes a mark of like well what's our priority here so things like final fantasy or uh paper mario that sort of thing that will that like the company has a u.s arm and they know that there's a huge audience for them here that may in fact dwarf the Japanese audience just by in terms of raw numbers. Those get uh, simultaneous releases, but I don't think that that's ever going to be a worldwide trend. You will see it happen, or not a worldwide, a industry-wide trend. You will see it happen to series as their Western fan base grows. Yeah. And as the logistics make sense for it. But I mean, something like Pokemon, I can't even imagine the army of people that have to like there's the other issue of like Pokemon's localized into like six languages. Yeah. And there is part of the reason that you have to be able to that you do that is that you need a, your own. It needs to all be people who work at the same company to do that is you can't, quote unquote, trust contract workers the same way that you can uh like, at least if you're a business executive, you probably don't, quote unquote, trust contract workers the same way that you do or like workers in other companies the way that you do workers that you are the boss of and can punish if they do something that pisses you off. Uh, I just killed the uh, flame lurker, by the way. Yeah, congrats. Throwing that out there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's one of those situations where it's like, oh, that's a, you know, you have to kind of be careful. Uh in, in those situations and uh, I, I think it's one of those things that uh, makes companies reticent to try it like you companies are unwilling and in lo- many cases logistically unable to like even if they have a consistent localization partner they're unwilling or unable to give them the kind of early access to incomplete material that they would another branch of the same company uh again like po- nintendo must be shipping pokemon like builds to uh different parts of nintendo basically like a year before the game comes out and it like that it's it's logistically i can't even imagine what that looks like uh and I guess we must have talked about uh, voice acting and people who held roles for a long time during that episode, because Strawberry Eggs points out, on a note more related to this episode, I give Richard Epcar as Bato from the Ghost in the Shell franchise as another very long time voice, act- voice actor acting, uh, long time actor voicing one character over the decades. While Richard hasn't voiced Bato in every Ghost in the Shell anime series and movie, he's done most of them since 1996. And yeah, that's a pretty good run. <laughs> I can't believe the Ghost in the Shell. Uh, can't believe how long I've been aware of Ghost in the Shell. Okay, yeah. never mind. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think that it will ever be industry standard to do worldwide simultaneous releases, but I do think that as certain franchises become more popular overseas, you will see that uh, the limiting the lead time become more of a priority. Uh, I think legitimately... Uh, it's it's deeply puzzling why, for example, Persona 5 took as long as it did. Uh, when it, it ended up taking, like, I think six months. Uh, 
yeah. I think it's legitimately confusing as to why that ended up taking six months. But who knows? Also, uh, why haven't we gotten that Muso game yet either? Yeah, someone brought. Uh, I think it was Shaman brought that up on one a six. So we'll hit that right now. Uh, Persona Five Scramble has a listing with English text in Asia for February twenty third. Apparently, it's heavily voice acted in 2020 happened. Is that going to be the best way to play it in English? Or is that a possible worldwide release date that will get announced at the Keeleys or something? I guess that's the nickname for the BGAs. Uh, I could see it. Uh, I could also see that being a... Uh, I've, I sincerely doubt that there is not some form of English release of Persona 5 Scramble in the U.S., I don't know whether it's going to be exactly the same as that version. They usually like to dub these. The only time that they have gone away from that was Persona Q2, and that was because the platform it was on was rapidly dying. I wouldn't be totally surprised if that version has no dub, but if they delay it in the U.S. long enough to get an English dub into it. It's hard to say. Uh, 2020 did a lot to the logistics of that sort of thing, but also a lot of voice actors are capable of recording essentially from home. And I wouldn't be surprised if it just ended up screwing with their schedules such that they had to push it into next fiscal year. But I, I would suspect... Even if... like that might That might end up being the worldwide version. That might be the version we get. But... I would suspect that we will get some version, so that's probably why I won't be importing unless it's like two years from now and we still don't have it. <laughs> so, uh, I've made some poor bets on Persona before, so I guess we'll see. <laughs> Here's hoping. Uh, I think that's about us out of questions. So... Phil, you got some plugs you want to do before I start signing us off. Dicey Dungeons. Just insane. Just saying. Go check I've it out. I've heard good things. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm playing... So it's a game where you you go through... A, it's a little quick roguelike game. It's a great distraction when you're kind of tired like I am. And you're just like, okay, it's kind of brainless. Roll some dice. Beat up some monsters. You roll dice to basically fill in boxes to activate your skills. Um, against these really zany characters that look like they're out of earthbound or something it's real cute mm -hmm. and uh i did a run on the rogue and i lost i did another run and somewhere along the way i felt uh, your dice your character looks like a dice by the way and because he's of a rogue he, he has an eye patch but i fought an alchemist lady and the one thing about the rogue is that he can use one of the skills he like steals one of the skills from the enemy every round that he can basically use and she had this alchemy skill that turns you know the character into a bear so i activated the skill i had the right dice to activate it i rolled the right numbers i activate it my character turns into a dice bear and he gets bear mall attacks that are very powerful i'm like okay and then i whipped her butt with 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 those skills and i'm like okay cool and then i get out of that battle and I'm still a bear dice. I get to the next battle. I'm still a bear dice. I still got these really powerful attacks. I don't have my rogue skills anymore, but I'm a bear. So I've got, you know, uh, bear. Have powerful ba bear skills. Bear skills. It's like, all oh, this handle is. handle it. This is too funny. You. <laughs> Super cute. 
No, uh, yeah, like I said, check out, uh, you know, follow if you got to, if you like Twitch, uh, follow us at twitch.com forward slash RP Gamer, twitch.tv, whatever it is. Yeah, TV. It seems to both work. I always put com, but it just directs you to TV. Yeah, I would imagine that it's just a. Yeah, uh, but uh, but check it out there. And if you subscribe, you'll not only know when this podcast is going live because we stream this podcast, but uh, anytime that uh, I'm doing a, an episode of JC Servant Plays or the RP Gamer Experience, uh, join us. Our official first season kicks off uh, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday, January the 4th. So we'd love to have you on board. At the same time, we've got a new refresh backtrack podcast. Uh, you know, Kelly's going to be taking the helm there. Uh, Mike Meeky's still on the team, and, and Matt's going to be around a lot more often. So you're going to see a, a revitalized podcast on that end as well. So a lot of really exciting stuff going on over at rpgamer.com. And again, join our Discord community. We'd love to chat with you uh, throughout the week right there in Discord. So Speaking of that revitalized backtrack, I've already uh, proclaimed my desire to be on several episodes they have in the works. So mm. Get ready for your... Uh, Whichever whichever host is your least favorite, get ready for them to be on several episodes. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's been she's been doing a good job, working hard, uh, getting those shows put together and stuff. We had a lot of great conversations, and the passing of the baton. We'll have a we'll have an episode. The next episode, uh, we'll basically, you know, we'll be, we'll do the official announcement and you know passing of whatever. And I'll still be on as a guest, just like I'm a yeah. guest here sometimes. So. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just over on the more visual side. Well, of you got to do a backtrack on backtrack where you talk about being on the backtrack. That's too fun. Oh, oh my gosh. That, I think that's like the bestest idea ever. I think we totally need to do that now. <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I got to tell <laughs> Kelly about this. That's the best. That's, that's awesome. Uh, well, apologize for me. Um uh, <laughs> But yeah, as Phil mentioned, you should join the Discord. We also uh, accept questions via the Discord. Many of our questions have come from one fire miner who uh, put forward a cavalcade of questions that we have slowly been chipping away at. But we also accept questions in the comments section on whatever episodes are recent. Uh, we usually go back one or two episodes just to make sure that we haven't missed any. We'll try to catch you regardless of where you put them. But I mean, if you put them on episode like 70, we probably won't notice. Um, but uh yeah, uh, so, you know, uh, questions for Q&A Quest can go in the RP Gamer Discord under podcasts, or they can go in the comments section of this very episode, or one of the recent ones, whichever one you listen to most recently, as long as it's not 50 episodes old, at which point statute of limitations is out and we're not looking. Uh, otherwise, I think that's it for us. So, see you, Space Cowboy. Yeah.